The following is a Geek Out Loud special edition podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to a very special crossover edition of Geek Out Loud and several other things. And instead of just running my mouth on and on and burying the lead, ladies and gentlemen, with me is the... I'm going to call him the voice of Brunswick, Georgia, but let's do that. And uh, if you hate St. Simon's Island, he loves you. <laughs> That's very inside. That is not fair. That is inside, and I apologize. Scott Rifen, who I've been told we need to do something together more often. Yes, so, I've been told that as well. There you go, guys. Here, and here, we, here are. we are. Here uh, we are. Actually, you know, Nebula Award-winning author Jack McDevitt called me the voice of the Golden Isles, and that would include St. Simon's. The voice of the Golden Isles. That's right. So, uh, you know, I, I don't hate St. Simon's that badly. Yeah. Hey, I got something before we get into this thing. Okay. Whenever I tune in, I used to try to tune in on the Ustream before you guys went iHeartRadio. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Ustream's horrible. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. But, like, I know you stand up while you do your show. Yeah. Why? Um, because I have a lot of energy mm-hmm. when I'm doing the show. Okay. And so it just, it's kind of a way to burn it off. I kind of okay. rock and right, bounce. Right. And, uh, there are times the last couple of weeks I've been so worked up over a couple of monologues I've done. I've actually, if you, if there had been a video in there, which mm-hmm. I stopped doing the video because they want us to push our traffic to the iHeart radio yeah. app. Uh, which but, is much more stable than Ustream. Yes, much more stable. I don't have to restart it 15 times That's a show. Right. But you'll find that a couple of monologues I've gotten so animated, I've been pacing the floor during the monologues. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of, which is, it's kind of a test to keep your head pointed towards the microphone and right. continue to <laughs> pace the floor. <laughs> and by the way, you can't see this, but Scott is walking around pacing the floor, showing me what he's doing. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not easy, but uh, but you know you do it because... You're feeling it. So. Right. So we're calling this a joint effort between uh, Geek Out Loud and my Star Wars story. Sure. Okay. I might show up on Dinner for Geeks. And you Dinner for know. Geeks. Yeah, just a joint effort. And it was all your idea. Oh, stop it. I'm, well, okay. It was all my idea. <laughs> not, I'm not. Listen, that's not, it's not a huge compliment. I'm just saying this was all your idea. I'm not, like, I'm not trying to shine you up more no, than you deserve true. or anything. Oh, um, but yeah, we you you called me up and said, "Hey, let's do the first commentary." Yes, uh, for Star Wars: The Force Awakens and have it online first before anybody before else, before anyone else. Yes, and as of the time of this recording, uh, we are officially second. <laughs> <laughs> we made the plans. Yeah. And yeah. we may have made the plans first. I don't know. But I don't know. I knowing those guys know. By the way, of course Rebel Force Radio was yeah. first. And I can't I mean, look, if you're going to be following anybody, follow those guys yeah, because those are they, the guys you got to yeah, lose to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't I never mind losing those guys. They've been so good to me that I'm I'm glad to be following them, but I have not listened to them. Mm-mm. So, uh this is all me and you. This is all me and Scott. Handling this thing. Do, I'm Steve Glosson, by the way, for those listening to other shows. <laughs> if you've gotten that deep, I realize I didn't introduce myself. Uh, oh, believe me. I think Venn Diagram, there's this gigantic <laughs> geek out loud that's a little tiny, but the overlap is so, there's like a sliver sticking out. Well, every podcast is someone's first podcast. Mm. You got to take the the comment. Well, who said that? Was that Stan Lee or Jim Shooter who said every podcast is someone's first? No, podcast? every comic. Every book. podcast is someone's first podcast. Every comic is someone's oh. first comic. Yes, that's true. Was it Shooter or Lee that said that? Nah, who can tell? 
I always heard it was Shooter. That might have been. I don't know. But um, but then I heard someone attribute it to Stan Lee. So well, anyhow, Shooter may have learned it from Stan Lee. So this is a commentary for Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and this is the kind of fun joy that you're going to get. Uh, just random tangents throughout. Normally, I do this kind of thing for the Patreon supporters, and normally it's just me because. I don't have people sitting in the house with me, and I hate to do movie commentaries over Skype. But so uh, we're we're able to be together. We're able to do this thing and uh, do it upright for you, yep. the listening audience. A top secret, undisclosed location. And obviously, what we'd like you to do is take this to the movie theater next time you go see the movie because you're going to go see it again. Right. Pay for a ticket and put your iPod in, and don't mm-hmm. listen to the- <laughs> listen don't listen to, to the movie us. listen to us yes exactly <laughs> so well the movie should be i mean look it's a loud movie mm-hmm. so you should be able to hear the movie and us and be just fine right i just hope that what happens is <clears throat> you don't have us up so loud that during the quiet moments <laughs> the people around you are like what in the world yeah. don't wear leaky earbuds yes just <laughs> do not wear <laughs> leaky earbuds <laughs> So here's how we're gonna here's how we're gonna line this thing up for you. When the Lucasfilm logo goes black, when it goes dark, that's when you want to hit play. So go ahead now, and and you ready to get into this? Just yeah, we'll this. count we'll count you down three, two, one to a pause, mm-hmm. and then when we unpause it, that'll be the time that you know we'll say three, two, one, pause, mm-hmm. and then when the Lucasfilm logo fades out, that's when you want to unpause it. And okay, just, and we'll be going at it. Yep, we'll that's going, right. We'll be doing our thing, doing our stuff. So, Scott, why don't you, as the uh, broadcast professional, count them down? All right. Three, two, one. Well, there's those blue words. There's something about a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away that always just brings me joy. You know, you and I both were a little critical. I think even Jimmy Mack was a little critical of that first note <laughs> mm-hmm. of this film. It really, it was interesting that it lacked a little of the, the, the brassiness. Yes. Well, have you... Uh, done a comparison? Have you sat down and compared the others? Yet? I not only did it, I did it on my show. Oh, on my oh, morning yeah? show, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, there to me, I know David Collins likes the prequel one that they use throughout mm-hmm. those the trilogy. Mine's still the first one. You know, the the first one has it's not just a brassiness to it because I actually did it this morning before I came over. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just a brassiness that's to it. There's a lot of the percussion, yeah, pit sounds that are in there. There's there's yeah. like a gong going and and stuff that go with it and it's and really five is surprisingly muted yeah um compared i i'm wondering if you know there's been a lot of talk about mic placement and everything else in the studio when they were recording that first note i'm wondering if it may be intentional Mm -hmm. on the part of williams to say i want this uh the 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 tinniness of the trumpet to come or the french Mm -hmm. horn or whatever it is to come out for a reason. Yeah, I understand he also didn't conduct that recording either, so okay, that may have had something to do with it as well. Uh, now, I will say this about the score. Having mm-hmm. lived with it now for about a month, you know, with, uh, with the two oxygens they've done about it have helped me kind of come around, but also just living with it. And there's a fullness to it that's it's deceptive. Mm. And there are albums sometimes. After your situation with the prequels, and, and this is not a safe place to bash on the prequels at all. <laughs> but I no. think after... After the prequels, that one of the things that returns us to an era that's separate from the prequels is 
an immediate shot of a star. Yeah, here's destroyer. a star destroyer, and he didn't play games with the the dynamics of the tilt. You know, Lucas in episode two tilted up. Now this shot, I want to go into this shot really quickly. The the four ships on the on the skyline. Yes, I know that J.J. Abrams obviously is trying to do a Lucas here, but I he's also a Spielberg student, and that shot reminded me so much of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay, yeah. Um, later on, where I'm going to make a revelation that I had. Mm. Um. Should I also mention, okay, I was getting, I looked over at the computer screen and I noticed that it, it was having a hard time catching up on the waveforms there, but we're good. We're good. Um, the Right off the bat, after that pan down to the Star Destroyer, maybe it was that first shot that was very Spielbergian more than Lucasian. Oh, mm-hmm. look at that. Yes. That kind of began to kind of set me off on... Um, on the visual languages, right? On the visual right? languages, yeah. yeah. The, you know, there's a lot more camera movement and camera motion in this movie than there is in a, in a George Lucas directed film. Well, and and by the way, macro binocular shot, that was one of the first things where I went, thank you. I'm yes. glad they got this right. Yes. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more of the push in of the camera for uh, effect. Right. For dramatic effect. Anytime an event's about to happen, there's a pause and then a push in of the camera, which is a Spielberg thing. Mm-hmm. Really much more than a Lucas thing. Lens flare. There's a lot of lens flare in this movie. Nobody has given it grief for that, which I guess is a testament to how good the movie is. Well, it also <laughs> it's also not. I mean, it's also appropriate lens flare, like right there. You know, the lights from those landing ships coming right at the camera and everything. Mm. Um, and so it's not like blatant J.J. Abrams all over Star Trek lens flare. <laughs> so. No, but there's even some digital lens flare that that just kind of tickled me in this film. Um, BB-8, I, I, he's won the heart of a nation, Scott. Yeah, yeah, the heart of a world. And, uh, and of course, we're first introduced to him. That's a standard Star Wars thing. Here's the droid first. Yeah. Yep. You know, from the from the old originals. But um, in fact, really, his first line could have been, did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Right. That may have been what he was saying yeah. when he when he busted through the old beaded door. <laughs> the old hippie location. <laughs> um. It just it's it's great to see stormtroopers as bad guys again. You know, there's so much about this movie that everyone talks about it being a return and a and and that sort of thing to what made Star Wars great. I don't think Star Wars was ever not great, mm-hmm. but there are things that you know you've lived with longer than you yeah. lived with even the prequels that it's just nice to see again. And one of those is is the idea of the stormtroopers being bad. And here, these stormtroopers seem to be even more formidable. Well, because the difference, I think, is the, the Stormtroopers of the original trilogy, despite some people's online assertions, were recruits mm-hmm. or, or conscripts. But these guys are kind of like the Jedi of the prequel trilogy, where they were snatched out of people's homes as babies and trained from birth. That's true, and we'll find that out as, as we go along. Yeah. And there's also an interesting political thing. For all the, <laughs> for all the complaint about politics and everything uh, being present in the, in, the, in the prequels, there's a huge political thing that's going on here where the First Order is actually not an ally or not necessarily a friend, but they're, they have a, a pretty decent little accord, I guess. They're not the, unsanctioned the by the Republic. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And so the resistance stepping in to fight, that's why, they see the resi- that's why they see the Republic as traitors and liars and thieves because yeah. they have supported the resistance against the First Order. Yeah. It's yep. very Cold War-ish. It, it very much is, and this is kind of the the breaking point of it. Now, FN 2187 just got the uh, the bloody fingerprints on his helmet. And let's be honest, this is not just a visual device to show some graphic thing or you know, some cool visual. It's also so we know which one's him. Right. We, yeah. We know which one he is in the middle of all of this. 
it's a it's a good it works on those on on those levels which is really yeah. cool and and I did find it interesting right from the get go that he's the one we're following and of course I knew then okay this is going to end up being Finn as we knew from the yeah from the trading cards and whatnot and now Kylo Ren confronts Laura Santeca and I got to tell you I hope to goodness the expanded universe or the expanded canon verse uh, has a field day with Laura Santeca because I really want more time with him he's been around. I mean, like, obviously, he's been around since the days of the Clone Wars. He's old enough to have been there. Um, and, and yeah, the the word, the line that really, to me, of his that, that stands out is at the very beginning, he says, perhaps this will begin to make things right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he means make things right in the galaxy, make things right with something he's done. And and I think that's that's the cool mystery of this particular character. And that's one of the things that this movie does well that kind of follows in the tradition of Star Wars is there are characters that are on the screen for all of three or four minutes that capture your imagination based on what they say or what they do or how they look. Yeah, and and they'll become action figures soon, and you'll exactly. be able to play with them all. Uh, Frozen Blaster Bolt. How'd you feel about that? Uh, when I first saw it, I thought it was cool. Yeah. I mean, it never happened before. I didn't necessarily like the way it seemed so unstable because they always seemed so crisp and clean mm-hmm. when they were blasted. Uh, but I I liked the idea. Yeah, I think it's I think it looks unstable because he's holding it and it's trying mm. to push forward and 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 being pushed back against at the same time, which it's interesting when you think about a laser blast being light <laughs> that the force. Right. I mean, look, one of the things that's so great about the first act of this film is the discovery of all these new characters. Yep. And Poe being outside of Ray, possibly for me being one of the best discoveries he's fun i Um, love poe dameron and you know one thing i've always been critical of in certain eu material and you know i'm an eu guy Mm -hmm. but a lot of it is just not fun yeah a lot of star wars expanded material is not fun it's downright Um, tedious scott yeah sometimes (laughs) it can be but uh but poe dameron is fun and and that's a lot of what this movie is it's fun uh even when it gets dark later and it never lets up but it is a fun film oh and there's kylo giving the stare to FN2187, I know what you did last summer is what he's saying to him right there. Yeah, it's uh, in, the, in the novelization, they go to, you know, Alan Dean Foster goes to a few more lengths to let you know that there was actually a stormtrooper who spoke to FN and said, uh, I saw your gun jam, you know, you might yeah. want to get that checked out. And, you know, the connection there between Kylo. Kylo obviously maybe sensing something didn't go right or didn't go his way. This is a fun little Star Wars nuance right here as BB-8 rolls the through the sand. Guy. Yeah. The little guy just kind of pokes his head up and watches. Yeah, and nothing else. Now, this shot actually gets recreated a little bit later, uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute when we talk about the visual language of Star Wars. Well, we'll talk about it in about 20 minutes, actually. As far as them going to the... Uh, them taking off from the planet, the shot where they're going back to the Star Destroyer, yeah. you're going to see kind of a, a replication of that shot later mm-hmm. that is uh, gloriously classic Star Wars visual. Poe's face right here, the the awe of what's going on around him, Again, the novelization lets you know that he's surprised that the First Order has it together. Like yeah, that. they don't. They they think the uh, the Republic has been led to believe the First Order is no big deal, right? And then when you see an enormous star destroyer like that, and well, and 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 the inside, and it looks high tech. Mm-hmm. All those uh, the hangar full of uh, Tie Fighters and everything, you realize suddenly, oh, this is a bigger fight than we thought. Yeah, exactly. Scary Captain Phasma. <laughs> Captain Phasma. But again, you mentioned the thing of the novelization where somebody notices he's not firing. Here's Captain Phasma telling him to report his weapon. Now, why is she telling him to report his weapon? Because obviously she's received word he didn't shoot. Right. 
And so they're going to go over his weapon and, and establish evidence that he didn't shoot. And right. uh, what doesn't get said in the film, but only lightly, is that he winds up going into they they basically put him into rehab mm-hmm. or about to put him. They're going to put him. Yeah. Well, she does say she says he yeah. uh, sent him to recondition. Yeah. So, but you don't. That's what I say. They say it lightly, but not a lot. Uh, now we're at Finn. We're at Finn inside the Star Destroyer. You mean Ray? Excuse me, Ray. Yeah. Let me let me point something out about Ray that I don't see anybody saying. How about the Indiana Jones callback right here? <laughs> like the, the going Tip, down the like road the well of souls yeah the well of souls like yeah. she's she's dressed very similar i think it was meant to be a, a callback to all that stuff interesting uh here's what's not being said about ray and you can take it however you need to take it ray r-e-y mm-hmm. that root is king it's queen right right um Rey in wow, Spanish yeah. is king. Reina yeah. is queen. Right. Um, I, I can't think that's an accident either when they're naming mm. these characters. So are you calling Solo or are you calling Skywalker? I don't think she can be a Solo. I just, I don't think they would have treated her the way they did. But I think Solo knew who she was mm-hmm. as later when you get who's There's the girl. A, yeah, yeah. And then they cut away. That's a cool shot from uh, from the above when she goes sledding mm-hmm. down uh, the way she does. And, you know, obviously what I like is this this silent introduction of her you know with only the music with yep. only just kind of watching her struggle with things watching her do her thing and and you kind of get the idea without words without dialogue who this person is but that's that's a great 3d shot yeah. by the way um but that's very lucas mm-hmm. it's a silent film yep did the speeder ever grow on you the fudge sickle speeder um you know how the speeder grows on me the, the way i i get familiar with the speeder is it's the land speeder flipped on its side Mm. <laughs> that's then this of course the iconic shot from the trailer it's still gorgeous it's still amazing you think jacku was affected by global warming dude there's that arthritic <laughs> bird that i can't stand and i will never like i will never like that shot of that arthritic bird ever <laughs> not a fan of the puppet not at all which is weird because i'm a big puppet fan yeah but even here as she's as she's dragging her stuff through uh through the little township or whatever the little outpost, um, you know, and that dude just walks right by her. No big deal. Yep. He's dragging his stuff. Yeah, we're all scavengers here. No one's helping anybody. You know, it's, it's every man for himself kind mm-hmm. of world. It's a different, It's. It, I mean, like, they do a good job of making Jakku not tattooing. Yeah. For all of the similarities of it being a, de- a desert planet and everything, they do a really good job of, of establishing a, a much different culture. And there may have been something like this on on Tatooine, mm-hmm. but we never, you know, we never go there. Well, and you you would also have to have that degree of ruins. You know, it's interesting in the novelization, and they don't really do it here, and so this is where the novelization kind of goes out of bounds, I think, anyway, unless unless I'm wrong, is that essentially Uncar Plot's base is in, the, is in a rusted-out sand crawler, and they don't, mm, they don't yeah, really... Yeah, they don't really play that game. Play yet. that, and I, I appreciate the fact that they don't. I do, too, because you don't want... I don't think Jawas belong anywhere but Tatooine. Yeah. Okay, now she's marking. She's marking the days since she's been left there. And look at that. It's a lot of days. That's a lot of days. And we just saw her little doll of an X-Wing pilot, which is interesting. This is, they keep coming clean. I mean, I thought it was obvious from the start, but they keep coming clean. This was a practical effect. Really? Yeah. Hmm. They keep having to say it. I thought it was, I thought it was kind of I mean, of it obvious, definitely but... looked practical. I never, I never questioned it, I guess, but how did they make it? Maybe it will be the case. Again, we've not really, you know, the most we've heard is this is worth one quarter portion. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty good uncar plot, Steve. Uh, <laughs> the, the uh, you know, but uh, and but we've not really heard from her. 
You know, all we've done is mm-hmm. seen her, and I love that ad at shot. I mean, that yeah. looks just like that concept art that leaked out. It does, and you know, it kind of <clears throat> this and the Star Destroyer that you, you were talking about, the shot you liked where mm-hmm. she slid down. Yeah, they both look very matte painting, like classic yeah. matte yeah. painting, yep. which I love. Indeed, uh, but so. This whole thing, though, is just getting to know Ray. Is yeah. getting to know who this character is. Again, it's all about discovery, and and because we spend more time with her than we spend with Poe at mm-hmm. the beginning, you know, we're spending more time with her than we have with Finn. You know, it, they're setting up that this is this is Ray's movie. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, and I think it's interesting because she'll say to BB-8 here, though, that's just Tito, and obviously that's different from all the other material, mm-hmm. which says they're all Tito's. Right. So the the, the great folks at Lucasfilm, in order to kind of uh, mopey this stuff into existence, basically say, well, they all refer to themselves as Tito. Mm. So that's... Well, and it very well could be the case. <laughs> you know, it's I am Groot kind of situation. Yeah, I guess so. Immediately we get, wait, <laughs> she can communicate with a droid. Mm-hmm. She can fix a droid immediately. Uh, and you get an Anakin Skywalker vibe there. You really do. And she says... You know, when, and here's the thing. A lot of people have kind of written it off as a joke or her being kind of snarky when she says, where are you? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if she knows more about her origins than even we do. That's interesting because uh, that's going to come into play at Starkiller Base, if I can remember to bring that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's go ahead and say later she will use a Jedi mind trick on someone. Right. And we know that she's got her expanding force powers. Where'd she come up with the idea for a Jedi mind right. trick? And I have some theories about that and we'll talk Uh-oh. about it as we get into it. We, so. we may both have the same theory. We'll oh, see. Well, uh, and normally we do, Scott, which is <laughs> going to make this the most boring commentary <laughs> ever told. <laughs> but uh, she, you know, she says no, which by the way, Ray says no more in this movie than anybody I've ever heard in my life. Well, she's a woman. <laughs> what? Who said that? Come on. <laughs> Poe Dameron. On the Star Destroyer. He's bloody. I mean, they've beat him up. Yeah. And now they're turning him over to the big boy. Don't miss the interrogation droid there next to Kylo Ren. No, absolutely. And making the classic interrogation droid noises. That's right. Which is awesome. And here's Kylo. Kylo Ren. I I like his voice modulation. Yes. I like the fact that it's definitely, uh, you know, Oscar Isaac doing... Kylo Ren's voice. That Why would it be some, Oscar Isaac doing Kylo Ren's not voice? Not Oscar Isaac. Uh, what's his face? <laughs> Adam, Adam Driver. Driver. Yeah. yeah. Doing it. You know, because when he takes his mask off, it's the same cadence of communication, the same mm-hmm. way of speaking. Um, but he is a little bit more understated in the way that he speaks when the, when the mask is on, as far as his cadence and rhythm goes, um, it, which, you know, seems like a deliberate choice for that guy. Like, mm-hmm. he's the guy that puts on the mask and starts talking intentionally like Darth Vader, even though there's a modulator there and everything. Yeah. And the way it's mixed in the theater, it's almost like it's peeking out all of yeah. your speakers, you know? Like, it, it's... it's. I think it's peeking out his speaker. Right. Which I think, uh, that's another one of those things. It's almost like he went and bought a voice-changing helmet. Yes. And amped yes. it up. because yes. you know, Because he is a Darth Vader acolyte. Oh, now she sets BB-8 free, and BB-8 says, I don't want to go. BB-8 trusts her inherently. I think that's interesting as well, whether it's the kindness she showed him with Tito or whether he just he senses more than just that. It may be that she's the only human he's seen. <laughs> you know? Maybe as well. <clears throat> Uncar Plutt, is he supposed to be, and, and I don't, I'm sure you've looked through the visual dictionary and stuff and everything, um, 
Is he supposed to be aquatic in nature? Yes. Okay. Yes, he is. Actually, I think that was actually the novelization as well. I don't remember that being. I just. But yeah, they are supposed to be aquatic. What what tipped it off? Uh, I heard someone else talking about it. I guess, and oh, okay. I and I was just wondering if it was in the visual dictionary. In the uh, in the book, in the novelization, she's actually going to go. She she negotiates with him mm-hmm. uh, for this moment with BB-8, and is like, "I'll take a hundred portions for him." And she's tempted to let him go, and uh, here it just seems like she's more or less, "No, he's not for sale." You know, and there was and it was like a personal victory for her to to reject him yeah and, and there's something about her with him and, and you do see a little of that chess game in the novelization much mm-hmm. more than you do see it here uh there was okay. one of those hidden wipes just then yes when, yes when he shuts his windshield and it goes to the door opening the uh the wipes are a bit of a, an issue for i think both of us in that they're not they're very understated because i guess they're out of vogue in hollywood but they were out of vogue when lucas used them. exactly uh, i like the wipes for the scene transitions mm-hmm. but uh, obviously they did them because they have to do them, but they didn't do them as obviously or blatantly. They tried to do a lot of hiding them and camouflaging them. Sometimes you don't notice they've happened when they've happened. Um, this scene with, with Finn and Poe, you know, talking, uh, the dialogue yeah. was just perfect. You know, you need a pilot. I need a pilot. And then when he says, we're going to do this and Finn's look. Yeah. When he goes, yeah. You know, it's just like, he, he's scared. He's un, he, you know, he can't believe it. And, he looks like he's about to throw up. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but that. this is one of those great examples of you have a great cast. You know, there's a great cast with great chemistry, and very few, very few people are able to pull it off. And you go back. I mean, I'm talking through history. You know, you talk about the original Star Trek, great cast, mm-hmm. whether whatever you think of it, right, right. Uh, great cast though, great chemistry amongst the cast. You've got you know, Cheers, same type thing. You've got the original Star Wars. You got this. This is one of those examples of these guys will go down as a classic set of cast chemistry. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, already the bromance memes are out there and everything. Mm-hmm. I will say this going, you mentioned Cheers. I'll say Frasier has, that cast yep. has even better chemistry than the cast of Cheers ever had. Yep. Um, I've been watching that through for the first time and, and like laughing out loud constantly as I'm watching Frasier. I was going to say, you're watching people get so, blown up and you're saying laughing out I'm loud. I'm sorry, as well. yeah. Uh, so the TIE Fighter is I don't Lord. understand. Okay, and I've seen this now. This is the seventh time watching this movie. Mm-hmm. And I can't figure out, does he flip a switch to unmoor it? or? I think he just yanks it. Okay, yeah, I can yeah. see the sparks there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But it's like... I, I, I think he's just gunning the engine. Because he's, okay, I got it. And, and it's like, oh, so he figured it out. Yeah. He's flipping. He's, then they go along the underside of the Star Destroyer. They're going to take out some weapons here so that they don't get shot down. They didn't take out enough of them, unfortunately. No. But again, another great moment for the two of them to communicate and bond. Well, and Finn's learning how to use more than just a blaster here. You know? yeah. And it also shows you, I think, some of the weaknesses of the training of the First Order. You know, Finn is trained to be a stormtrooper. Yep. And we see him later on, We'll point it, I'll point it out, but we see him use a blaster to great effect. Um, but when it comes to anything outside of just storming something and no pun intended and, <laughs> and, uh, and using that blaster, he's, you know, there's a big learning curve for him. All his life. He's been trained to do one thing. That's right. Um, and I like that he, you know, and of course Poe names him Finn here and, and everything. Uh, yeah. listen, if you listen in the sound mix as they get going and they're, and they're arguing about going back to Jakku and those missiles are tracking him, mm. you'll hear the alarm ramp up. Yeah, as as the as the missiles getting closer, and they get distracted. Right, they that's get what distracted. happens. Exactly. 
Because they start arguing, and, and Finn stops paying attention, and, and even Poe does to a degree. What do you think old General Hux? I love General Hux. Yeah. I, I love everything about General Hux. He is a snotty. Uh, he's a snotty little teenager, just like Kylo Ren is a snotty little mm-hmm. teenager. And they both want to go please Daddy, in the, this meaning Snoke, mm-hmm. not Solo, right, obviously. Right, right, right. Uh, in the worst way, to the point that they'll try and deride and make each other look bad in order to do so. Even in the special edition uh, of A New Hope, we didn't see TIE Fighters maneuver the way we're seeing it here. No. And, um, you know, there's a few shots. That's a very that, – that shot from the back before it curved around and started heading back down toward the planet was a very Star Warsy shot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> I love this argument between these two. I don't care about your droid. <laughs> I don't care what color he is. Yeah. One of a <laughs> kind. Uh. I don't care. And, you know, in in Star Wars, we saw, in the original Star Wars, we saw other R2 units. Of course, we saw R5-D4, who, you know, is the uh, hero of the whole movie, the unsung hero of the whole movie. <laughs> Skippy. Um, but, uh, but we never, in this movie, we never really see any other BB-8 units or BB units. Now, do you think that's actually a childhood photo there of, of Boyega? Of Boyega, yeah. I always wonder that when I see stuff like that in movies and stuff. I, I don't see why it wouldn't be. I mean, how hard mm-hmm. is it to say, hey, get us a school picture? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll scan it in. We'll make it holographic. That's right. Uh, okay. Now he awakens. Not The Force will awaken soon, but right now he is awakening. And he's obviously ejected from the TIE fighter. He's in the desert. This is that shot from the very first trailer where we were misleadingly given the sounds of probe droids. Yes, I forgot about the yeah. probe droids, but it was a nice touch for that teaser, though. Yes, it was. Um, you know, we'd never seen until this movie. We'd never really seen a crashed starship, no, a crashed anything. You know, starfighter, anything. We they always blew up. They yep. always blew all the way up, and um, and so it's just a really neat. It's a weird thing in this movie to to watch this. And of course, here's those sinking sands that she warned. Yeah, but did you want BB-8 about? about? But you know what's funny is you see something like that. You you know where you did see that is you saw it in the Marvel comics. And, oh uh, yeah, and and I got to tell you, it's it wasn't too far off from what they did. Yeah. Now I'm assuming that's the Tie Fighter itself blowing up. Yes. Okay. Yeah. At, at first, I thought it was just um, um, like air being shifted around right. under there, but I assumed later it was just the blowing up of the Tie no, Fighter. It's, it's the blowing up of the Tie Fighter. <clears throat> And again, I will say this, and I've said it since that first teaser, we've seen more sweat in the first, you know, 20 minutes of this movie than we saw in the entire original six movies. <laughs> they don't mind showing people sweat in this movie. No. Um, if you look at this shot here as he's coming up on Jakku or on the on the outpost there, Nima outpost, uh, it's really brief, but you can see off in the distance over to the to the left the outpost you can see the falcon there can you yeah the problem is when you first well not a problem but the, you know the, what's cool about that is they had it set up you're just not looking for it you uh, know when when you first see it and um interesting i don't know if we'll be able to tell it here or not this i always think of as moss eisley spaceport yes indeed indeed you'll never find but yeah there's a little mass over kind of to the to the left um it's got to be there, yeah. And it's, and it's the Falcon. The, the the lighting on the Star Destroyers is a little more neon than it was in uh, yeah in the original uh, trilogy. It's a little darker 
on that thing with just you know some red and blue lights here and there and i don't yeah. I'm, I'm still working that out in my well, heart and mind but you know what to me it it's it's kind of ot because there there was a lot of the red and the blue just pure red pure blue in the first film especially mm-hmm. uh and a lot of different things and there's a wipe Did you see that subtle yes, yeah wipe that you wouldn't really know is a wipe unless you're really paying attention to right. it but you don't but what i'm saying is, is is you don't get the diffuse light it's not the lighting around those red and blues mm-hmm. aren't so dim that they're giving off a red and blue glow yeah you're um, right you're right about you that you know there's there's more of a white light you know bright starkness to it that big old thing i guess that's all practical of yeah. course we saw the the thing the old hap, hapivore is that what it's called in the thing i believe so uh hog squaddle to all of our friends who <laughs> who are faithful listeners to that aforementioned podcast <laughs> the jacku thugs uh that jacku thug that has his arms there around daisy and trying to hold her back initially he's got his head wrapped very sand people-ish you know and, mm-hmm. and i also noticed that some of the little guys that are walking around are in the hoods and kind of you know walking about very jawa-ish but it's not you know it's obviously meant to make you feel familiar but not but still be different yeah and and one of my you know one of my criticisms that stands is that a lot of the alien life that we get introduced to, you know, in the background, it all looks too similar one you know to each other. There's not enough variation. It it's, seems it's kind of the issue you have with a Henson Studios monster movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Henson Studios just had a very distinct look, and everything counted. Oh, that's Henson, and this has a very Henson vibe to it actually. Oh, now she's chasing Finn through the marketplace, and somehow. He thinks he's gotten past her, and she's totally around him. <laughs> she Clocks knows, him. She knows her way around that place. I yeah. love, I love this whole sequence. BB-8, right? <laughs> Shocks him. <laughs> I mean, it's like this is when you start to love BB-8 or in these moments with yep. Ben. Um, <clears throat> you know, after we first saw this movie together with like Riley Blanton and Bethany Blanton from the Star Wars Report and Teresa from Disney Vault Talk, you know, Riley kept saying the first act of this movie he thought was pitch perfect, and. And I tend to agree with him. And I do think it goes back to this whole idea of discovering these new characters and, and them discovering one another. And, and mm-hmm. you know, an origin story is always fun to me, you know, to watch. Uh, that's why a lot of those first superhero movies work so well so many times is because it is fun to get to know these characters and watch them grow into their powers and, and that sort of thing. And, and here it's just fun to watch. The relationships develop. It's fun to watch the the conflicts develop, and uh, and it's just everything about this first act really works so well. But BB-8 starts to come into his own big time with that shock. Yeah, and here's Finn evident uh, evincing the fact that he is full of baloney. I mean, he's just he is he is. This is almost, what we look like. This. Yeah, this some of us, others look different. <laughs> Ray lights up at the idea of a resistance fighter, and then when he she said when he says the name Luke Skywalker, yeah, you know this is this is part of the thing about Ray is Ray has it somehow at someone's feet or through finding something she has read about heard about the old uh, the old war between the Empire and the Rebellion. Yeah. She's heard about all the, that that well, situation, you know. Running in the underworld, she's heard about Han Solo. Sure. Well, after the start the rebellion goes, uh, she lives in and makes her living off of the wreckage. Mm-hmm. So she's, you know, she's probably prone to be a little curious about what all this is, and maybe say a Laura Santeca or someone. Well, and that's what I wonder. <laughs> um, 
she uh but she she lights up about it. it's not just a casual oh yeah i know about that it's an enthusiast like yes. she strikes me as much of a fangirl as kylo ren is a darth vader fanboy yep and you know which is really interesting of course the joke here quit taking my hand quit taking my hand don't hold my hand a lot of i heard someone you know chalk that up to kind of feminism in your face but i think it's to set up for this i think it's meant to be a setup for this joke in, in a way here you know, not just the, are you okay? And she just gives him that weird look. I love that moment, though. It's a great moment. But um, And then this one's garbage. He he wants to take that other ship. Yeah. No, we're well, not Well, that's just that. because it's closer. It's not as yeah. far a run. And I just want to say, I'm watching them run, and I'm like, I can't run like that. <laughs> not for that amount of time. And talk. Yeah. So... So the garbage, and just a wonderful oh, reveal. That's great fantastic reveal. fantastic reveal of the, of the Falcon. And how giddy did you get when you first saw? Oh that? my gosh, I almost squealed! <laughs> I was so excited. There's that BB-8 shot That's from, from the, the trailer from the teaser, the yeah, teaser, from the first yeah. teaser. They go running into a very filthy Falcon. It is a lot dirtier. It's a lot more worn, and even like in the open, you know, spaces where they're at, it's it's just it seems to be stripped out almost a lot of it. Now you notice when Finn gets into the gunnery, the first shot of him right there—that's the same angle. Uh, that they used right. yes. for the original film. The only problem is, if you go back and watch that original film, they've, you know, not only has the, uh, I'm not going to call it a problem. I'll say <laughs> difference. Not only has the sensor uh, dish changed, the. Well, it's uh, supposed to. The gun placements have changed because hmm. the gun's hanging down from the top when Luke is down there in, in Star Wars rather than more attached to kind of the bottom. Uh, really? Mm hmm. Yep. I'll have to look at that myself. And it's, I always thought that was a bottom gunnery. Well, it is a bottom gunnery, but I'm just saying like, but it, but from Luke's positioning, it was always kind of hanging from the top. Hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. It was over his head. Right. You're right about that. Yep. And so, uh, and obviously, you, you know, that's not bad production design. I think it's, you know, there's obviously. And it may have been modified. And yep. Yeah. 30 years. Modifications. I made a lot of special <laughs> modifications for myself. Exactly. We're a little rushed. We're just. I love this whole chase sequence, dude. Yes. Everything about it is great. Every it has the right amount of tension. It has the right amount of, um, you know, adventure feel to it. It you, you it's edge of your seat. The speed is there. Everything is just right. The desperation. The graphics on the screen yep. are old school, which yep. I love. They didn't have to do that. They did it. I love. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. Those, that gunnery is usually over his mm -hmm. over, his, over head. his head. And of course, the only time we ever saw it was in Star Wars. Only I love time the Falcon scrapes the ground yes. on that turn. Because as a kid, if it ever just touched the ground, it was crashing. Right, right. No, you can scrape the ground. It's like a motorcycle. Right? You ever seen this? Yes. Motorcycle racers they drag their knee. Yes, yes. Oh. And here we go. Now, it, here, let me tell you something. Let me give you a little sneak preview on Star mm -hmm. Tours. You know, they've got the Jakku scene right. in Star Tours. And it's this chase, basically. Oh, nice. Um, and one of the things that happens at the end is the Falcon flies up horizontally and winds up taking out a, a TIE fighter that's after you. Mm. And I wondered, I was thought the weird positioning for that Falcon to be in to have to shoot you that way. And now we know why that, because it's in story. Yeah, the gun's locked in four The gun's position. locked, yeah. And that's the only way that they could get in there and get that <coughs> shot in. That one little point there, the people running to the uh, to pick mm -hmm. up the garbage of you know the 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 debris, mm -hmm. is very much the way Lucas would do things in these movies, where yep. just a quick three seconds of 
what's going on in the yep. culture and what's going on in the life. Struck me as very pod racery. Yeah, I know I shouldn't yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, but. yeah, but Lucas also, but he did that kind of stuff in, uh, in in Star Wars. I mean, like you know, Ugnots. We saw them working the undersides of Bespin and everything, but mm-hmm. like you would see them kind of just walking along in the halls with their little lunch. In fact. The dude came with a, I always called it a lunchbox. I guess it was meant to be a toolbox, <laughs> yeah. but that's a, that's an insight into my fat psyche, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a BA moment and a BA yeah. move here. And you notice they took out the but, special forces fighter first. Yeah. I just realized that watching but, this thing. But you know, what's what's great about this too is that it it's, there's a shot I was talking about yeah. that, that they mirror a bit in the star tours, uh, bonus scene. Um, one thing's great about this is it is it is new, but it also is very evocative of Return of the Jedi, yes. the second Death Star yep. chase. So th- th- now there's a shot. That's You're my favorite visually, shot in the movie. That is so classic Star yes. Wars. It's not yes. even funny. Yes, my favorite. I was going to say it's probably my favorite shot in the movie is the Falcon leaving Jakku and then the pan around to watch. It's, you know, followed into space. It is you know when you talk about the visual language of Star Wars and and they did change some things visually. That's one of those where you go, they got it. Yes, exactly. They Spot nailed on. that shot. Spot on. Um, and now this thing really kicks into another gear. Oh, with BB-8 especially. Yeah, and there's and there's some good BB-8 acting here. Oh. It's just uh, the the reaction. It, this BB-8, there's a moment here, and I'll point it out, where BB-8 reminds me of a Muppet. There's no getting around it. There's no, I mean, like he, it's it's someone from Jim Henson Studio said, make him do this. Mm. Um, and it's his react, and I'll tell you, it's his reaction to Finn saying, "I'm not resistance." Yes. It's <laughs> yes. Okay. There's a wipe across the screen to yeah. a Star Destroyer. That shot, by the way, in three D is, is great. <laughs> right, Star Destroyer in your face. Yep. This poor kid. He's Captain Nita Junior. That's who that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apology accepted. Yeah. But look at that panel. Look at that display. That oh, yeah, could be that's... straight out of 1977 oh, Death sure. Star. Oh, I just knocked the thing. And that's all red and blue. Yeah, it's red and blue. Red. Well, the screens are blue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely it looks right out of the Death Star. It looks right out of the room they were hiding in in the Death Star when, yep. they, when they take out the Stormtroopers. TK-421 room. And here we go. The first tantrum. That's a doozy. And this, you know, this is the moment that really solidifies, you know, He's been so calm and so cool to this point. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly you're like, okay, he's Vader, Vader, Vader. Oh, no, he's not. He's something different. Anything else? And <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is what everyone was waiting to see was him just to take somebody out. You know, what girl? Um, that girl, which there's no wipe there. Mm-mm. The, uh, but the tantrum he throws there just kind of, Puts you in a mindset of this is not Vader. It's not Darth Vader. You know, it's not Darth Vader. Darth Vader was calm, cool, and collected. And unfortunately, you know, one of the incidents from uh, uh, the special edition that you don't get to see anymore at the end of Empire Strikes Back, where he just oh. he is so angry. Bring but all you, yeah, all yes. you get is bring my shuttle, yeah. and that's all you get. But in that, you know, there's anger. Mm-hmm. All right, now here's great BB-8 acting. Yeah. BB-8. Oh, yes. <laughs> the look it back and forth. Yes, look back and forth. <laughs> Please. Uh, Ilenium system. Okay, got it. Thumbs up and then thumbs thumbs up. up. Oh, that's my that is my favorite moment right there of BB eight is the thumbs up. And then of course the look to the to the right ceiling tape or whatever, but Yeah. Oh. 
No. If you don't get no. this right, this is a place we feel with toxic gas. <laughs> um, do you have a problem with Ray being able to do all this stuff, or I vacillate? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's none of my business. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> there are times when I watch it; and it drives me nuts that she's immediately good at everything. And and I and I I hear, well, she struggled with the Falcon. She crashed into some things. Yeah, but then immediately she's navigating all the pipes and everything. So, mm-hmm. uh, nice learning curve, I guess. But. Uh, yeah, if you're just watching the movie and not having to think about it, no, I don't get bothered by it. Well, she's familiar with the Falcon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's not unfamiliar with it. She even tells him, you know, she thought that it would be when they start talking in a moment about what Uncar did to, you know, some of the modifications he made mm-hmm. as far as the compressor on the hyperdrive line and everything. Now, let me ask you this: Is is Finn just paranoid because he stands up as the freighter's coming up and he goes, "Oh, it's the first order." Yeah, I think the first I, order. I don't think he could see anything, and he just immediately assumes. Again, you're talking about a guy who, you know, he's trained to do one thing: put on a stormtrooper helmet and Whoa. and shoot. <laughs> um, and so I, yeah, I don't think that he considered that some random freighter would be picking them up. Now, the lights are on, which means somebody's fiddling around outside. She's undoing the tape to poison everybody in the ship except them because they're going to have their masks on. And that door. And you and I both know the first time we see this, who's coming through that door. Oh, sure. But it's still just such a great moment. Yes. Uh, the there's the line that made thousands of geeks cry That's at right. celebration. That's right. And little did they know they'd be crying again several months later (laughs) (laughs) at what went down with this guy. Yeah. But you see how stripped out the Falcon is, dude? I mean, like, it's just like it's almost been torn apart. Yep. Sitting there for a car. We need parts. We need. Yeah. Grab it off the Falcon. Right. Grab it off that ship. And, um, you know, you hope that what happens as the as the movies were on is that we get to see it get patched up here and there a bit. Jakku. <laughs> you think Jakku got its reputation as a junkyard just because of that battle? Uh, probably. Was probably Jakku start. a lush, foresty planet before the battle, and then that caused global warming <laughs> and turned it into a desert? I'm not going there. All the carbon emissions from those ships. Crashing. You are, Hansel. I used to be. Now, well, here's the funny thing. I think that's an ad lib. It wouldn't surprise me. Because that's what Harrison Ford himself has said for a while. Oh, yeah. People, yeah. aren't you Harrison Ford? I used to be. Used to be. And I think that, that that came from him and not from Kasdan, as some of the great lines like, I know, right, did. Right, It wouldn't surprise me. It'll be interesting to find that out as time goes on. No, not, that, not that Harrison Ford will ever talk about it again. <laughs> no, he's done now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with Star Wars. Um but here, this this whole conversation, you know, the Moof Milker and everything, you know, she's talking to him about here's who had this ship, here's who who here's where it came from, um, and uh, and here's what I said to him when he put that compressor on there that it put too much strain on the hyperdrive and that sort of thing. So she knows this ship. Mm-hmm. That that's that's the other thing is I feel like a lot of times people who who immediately jump to well she's too good at everything aren't taking into account some of the dialogue that's being said to kind of give you a, a clue that this isn't her first time on the dang thing. It might be her first time flying it, but. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Now we're going to talk Luke. Yeah. <laughs> he kissed this his is... sister. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the few, one of the few 
instances of, you know, when they get out there and do all that, it's one of the few instances of mumbly Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. They did a really good job of bringing him out and, and getting him back to old Harrison Ford or old young Harrison Ford. That shot on the uh, on the monitor there of the uh, of the Guavian Death Gang ship pulling up mm. looked very Star Trek to me. <laughs> uh oh. Um, that ship looks weird. I don't like this freighter they're flying. It doesn't look very Star Warsy to me. Um, inside is fine. Yeah, I was just you saying. know, but but the out- I'm just talking about the outside design of it all. Well, you don't see a lot of it. You really whoa. Whoa, scares are. me even now. Yeah. Hey, do you think that uh, you remember in Return of the Jedi when C three PO is walking down to the dungeon to the to the droid dungeon mm. where he and R two are going to be given their jobs and everything, and that tentacle comes out of the thing and grabs him. Yeah. He's like, oh, oh. shoot, beastly yeah. thing. Um, you think that was a Rathtar? Like Java just had a, an old, tired, hungry Rathtar down there. That would be neat to try and figure out. Yeah. Now here he is, Scottish guy in space. Yeah. Tell that to Kanji Club. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the name Kanji Club. It sounds like a Japanese appreciation society at a high school. Well, look at the uh, it, look at the Guavian Death Gang enforcers. They look like something straight out of GI Joe, circa 1986. Yeah, but Kanji Club. You know, Kanji is Japanese script. Yeah. So Kanji Club just sounds like we're meeting afternoon. We're meeting after school today to to uh, practice our Kanji. Oh, okay. In Kanji Club. Well. And strangely enough, Kanji Club is played by an Asian. <laughs> well, I think that's, yeah, I think that's yeah. deliberate too. Mm. I don't, Tasu Leech. Yeah, I. Good to see you. <laughs> you just called them freaks. <laughs> you just called them freaks. I don't like, I I don't know that I like the whole, these this particular part of the underworld that we're being shown. It's not. It's it's too Conjure Club <laughs> when was the second time. <laughs> Conjure Club Conjure Club's outfits look too Star Trekish and the Guavian Death Gang looks too G.I. Joe ish. Interesting. Um But I love the standoff between the two. Oh yeah. I yeah, love yeah. The, the standoff. Listen, the moment is great. The moment is great. But if we're just you know, if I'm being honest right now, I'm just saying those Conjure Club guys, they look like they're dressed in Klingon garb. Um, I mean, look, even that dude, the gun he's holding even looks like one of those darn Klingon pointy sharp things. <laughs> I don't know what you call those. So we're not doing a Star Trek commentary. That's right. <laughs> now, this is interesting because Ray, heretofore and everywhere after, pretty much gets every single thing right. Yeah, but she doesn't know. But not that. But she doesn't know this ship. <clears throat> she doesn't know the ship as well as, as she thinks she did or... or you know, should know, and, and she realizes immediately she did the wrong thing. There's that push in. That's right. There's a lot of that. The design of the Rathtar is also not a fan of. It's been criticized. I have no problem with it because it 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 it, the, it, it strikes me as being uh, kind of Minocky. Mm, I don't know. Minocks look like big bats with They're suckers flatter. on their face. They're flatter. You know, but the mouthy part and the they, they've got kind of a suckery type look to them as evidenced by them hitting that window earlier yeah here's the thing a minoc though that guy looks very klingon right see, there. see that's my point he looks very klingon. My, the thing about minocs the thing about any of the george lucas beasts is that you can almost believe and understand how they would exist mm-hmm. 
with these guys, I don't get it. I don't, you know, it's like they, they're just sea urchins with tentacles almost, you know, it's just weird. And they're saying you don't believe sea urchins exist. No, I, okay. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying that sea urchins, are, I don't know. I don't know. I, that was a bad explanation. <laughs> All right. That was, <laughs> thank you so much for calling me on my, <laughs> This is why I do geek out loud alone. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, with everything, it, it's like, I don't know. You can almost, I don't get, I guess I don't get how these things work. Yeah. And, and what they're, you know, in, in, in their biology. With everything else, there's just a look you can give and within a few seconds know, okay, well, this is probably how that works. Mm-hmm. And with these guys, you just don't get that, you know. Gotcha. Like, what was sticking up again? Was that a tongue? That's that, a that's, that's a tentacle. No, no, no. At the, oh, when yeah, they I, were at the window, and it I thought that was a tongue. Yeah, yeah. And I'm okay. I think was it a tongue? Was it an eye? Was it a what? And so, and you just never really understand what's going on there. Rancor, boom! You understand everything. Oh yeah. Claws, mouth, feet. You know. <laughs> Chewy hit the arm. Chewy, and then all of a sudden, solo for the first time in forty years, <laughs> uses the bowcaster. <laughs> Also, since when in Star Wars does shooting the door panel cause it to open? Uh, caused it to lock on the Death Star. Right. Yeah, right. I don't know. Yeah, that's how they tried to keep them from getting through when they had the bridge. They're coming through. Yeah. <laughs> and then she jumps in the co-pilot because she points out earlier, again, it's good screenwriting, setup and payoff. Mm-hmm. She mentioned earlier, you got to have a co-pilot for this thing in order to pilot it right. Yep. And not only that, she mentioned you got to prime the fuel pump because they put that on there. Yep. Uh, and uh, how do you feel about going into hyper? Ah. How do you feel like going into hyperspace from a stop position here? Hey, if you can do it, you never ask before you do nope, it. Seeker Jedi Seeker ball. Yeah. Look at that thing. I mean, like, yeah. it's just like how big are those things? He's all over the cockpit there. Yes, he it's is. Weird. <laughs> that just looks. That's even a weird shot. And then there's that tongue. Yeah, I guess that was. It's in the mouth, yeah, because it's between the rows of teeth. And then that thing goes into hyperspace with him, gets sucked off, dropped off on Tatooine, buries itself in. Oh, no, it can't. The Pit of Carcoons. Well, maybe Time Warp. Yeah. Oh, that brings me to another theory I have as we get into this. Oh, no. Um, There's a wipe. Yes, yeah. Good wipe. um, And our first look at Starkiller Base. I love the moment where he just can't figure out why it won't go, and she's like, compress him. Yeah, and just. And we're first All look right, at Snoke. Here we go. Old Supreme Leader Snoke. Um I'm saying this right now, I don't think he's Darth Plagueis. No. I I agree with you, and I don't think he's Darth Vader, which is the new thing circular. No. Oh yeah, that's the new thing. Come on. Because they both have a scar on the top of their heads. My glance. Yes, sir. Because they have a scar, they are the same. Yes, exactly. No one has the same scar. No. I knew a guy that lost his leg from the knee down. Uh, back in the day. So are you tell me that every time I bump into someone who's had a similar situation, same guy. No, that's, that's impossible. <laughs> I think this is just, some, I honestly, it wouldn't surprise me to find out this dude was close to the emperor. Like I always heard back in the day, back in the eighties, those guys that the emperor goes and talks to on the, on the death star after mm-hmm. he dismisses Vader that first time. I always heard they were like some kind of like dark side acolytes or something. Hmm. And, um, and then and then they're like, no, they're just imperial dignitaries. Well, no. th- that would make sense in that 
the push here is to make this a descendant of the original trilogy and not the prequel trilogy. Right. So you bypass that. And so I just, I feel like uh, that he may be someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or he may be an Inquisitor. Mm, interesting. You know. Um, speaking of which, afterwards, we got to talk about that season, that second half of the season two trailer for uh, uh, Rebels. Yeah. So. Especially with the face that shows up in oh. there. All right. There it goes. He goes away. I was so glad to find out it was a hologram, but yeah. I also was very, um, and I and I still am. I don't like, you know, everyone's like, well, hologram technology is going to, you know, progress after 30 years. Okay, fine. <laughs> but that's not why he's a perfect view there. That's not why you can see him clearly. The reason they do that is to make you think he's a giant. They yeah. That's put there to fool the audience until that. That's what that's there for. Not because hologram technology is, you know, gotten better. Um, well, that's that's the retroactive excuse. That's right. the beauty of writing science fantasy is you can do that. And, and here's how you bypass something on a ship. You just rip you it just out. rip it out. That's how you bypass it. And then <laughs> Solo's response, huh. <laughs> She is so adorable. She like, really you is. You just want to hug her all the time. <clears throat> Move ball. Um, and there's that. There's a. You know, you did great, Joey. Don't worry about it. You yeah. did fine. Then we get our monsters from our degeric table. I like the way Chewie sat up there, like, "Oh, you want a game, bro? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll rip your arms out of your sockets if I lose." <laughs> Doesn't it just seem more empty and, and stripped down? I mean, I, I know I keep coming back to that. Yeah, like, well, I mean, like the lighting behind Solo just in that last shot looks like it's hung there temporarily, right, not as right. a... And there's the seat where he sits in and says, I call it luck. So it's a neat recreation of it, but yeah, it does look more used and it's been changed a little. Right. Here's one of the few mumbly Harrison Ford scenes. Well, it's very expositiony, and this is yeah. when I took a, I took my friend's um, five year old and his and his nine year old to see this and Spielberg um, shot again, the yeah. tracking in on a shot, yes. somebody in yeah. awe. Um, and and I noticed that this movie slows down around here. You yeah, know, that this that during that they can't seem to get the exposition of everything out, um, and, and keep the and keep the movie moving very well. That that from this point until the attack on Maz's castle is, is kind of really slow, even with that vision in there. Like, you know, it just kind of drags a bit. Yeah. Uh, now, and they do what they can. I mean, he immediately jumps out of this into landing at Maz's castle. I mean, right, he tr- right, they right. try to, they trim it up as much as right. they can, but, uh, yeah, well, I mean, even the stuff at Maz's castle, cause it's just a lot of sitting and talking. Yes. And that's fine. Yeah. I'm not, you know, and that's not even a criticism of the movie. I'm just saying that that's, it really stuck out to me how much it slowed down when I'm watching it with kids because they begin to get a little restless, mm-hmm. you know. Again, the red and blue buttons everywhere, very OT. Well, it has to be, you know. And I mean, round, like, a lot of round yeah. things on the console. And here they're, boom. He just got through telling about Skywalker and immediately they're at Mazda's castle. That's what I'm talking about where I just say yeah. that. You know, they're you know, trying some, to keep it moving at a clip. And someone pointed out to me that outside of Jakku and Starkiller Base, that you never have a planet named in this movie. That's true. You know, um, we never get the, the you never hear him say we're going to Takadano or whatever it's called. 
Is that right, Tacadana? Uh, I think that's a Mexican place, isn't okay. it? Okay, well, dang, <laughs> it. something like that. Yeah, Taco Don's. But now, here's another interesting thing. Prequel trilogy full of ships landing. Mm-hmm. You never saw that ship land hmm. just now. I guess not. You saw it come in for the landing? It's right. already landed. Well, we saw it land in, on, in Bisbon. Bisbon. We saw it now land you really, in Cloud uh, City. You, Sort of saw it. It sets down. You see the, it, the you front. see the front, the landing gear. Yeah, but you don't see a lot of it. the prequel trilogy. Every ship had to land. Well, and the landing gear all had to come out, and the ramp had to come down, and spent a lot of time showing ships land in the prequel trilogy. You see the Imperial shuttle land. Yeah, you see, it was just a little bit of landing, but I mean everything in the prequel trilogy. You just have to see it land. I like watching. They spend a lot of time on landing ships. In I the like prequel watching trilogy. the ships. Land. <laughs> Let's me know how they got there. Yeah. There's your vape. I'm going <laughs> to. That's a vape, vape. thing. You, ever, you know those things people are vaping yeah. with these days? Oh, yeah. Smoking? That's what that looks like to me. It's like, oh, yeah, I got it. Just, uh, well, that is a weird gun off. for Star Wars. I'm just telling you. It just yeah. doesn't look like a Star Wars blaster oh, to me. To me, Poe's blaster doesn't look like a Star Wars blaster. It looks more Buck Rogers y. The, the rifle y thing? Yeah. Yeah. The weapons, a lot of the weapons in this movie don't really look. But. It's kind of interesting because they do kind of harken back to the inspirations. They are kind of Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon y. Yeah. You sold me. <laughs> All right. You talked me into it. <laughs> um, now, here she is. And this is just a cute scene. Well, we did miss a moment where she says, I've never seen, I didn't know there was so much green in all the galaxy. Yeah. And Han shoots her a look there. That a lot of people have interpreted as guilt, mm. you know. But then it, he immediately follows it up with, "What a weird kid!" Kind of look, you know, kind yeah. of a, just shake his head. I, I see it more as pity for this girl who hasn't lived, and you know, and, and realizes she's got a lot to learn, but she but he, may be willing to go. But he obviously wants to keep an eye on her. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's trying to arrange that as part of the deal. So you think he knows who she is? I do. I mm-hmm. do. I mean, I think there's no other reason for them to cut away when uh, Maz Kanata says, who's the girl? Cut away. Mm-hmm. And I think he tells her who the girl is. Um, and yeah, I think, I think. Who hangs all those flags, I wonder? I don't know. Maz obviously doesn't. I mean, you got to imagine it started <laughs> as one. Yeah. And then, you know, and someone's like, I want mine up there. Okay, well, let's put it up there. You well, know, that kind of thing. It's been a thousand years. Don't stare at what? Any of it. And here's your quick run through. See, I was very disappointed to find uh, there's a bunch of these guys in here, and they've got their species as named in the visual mm-hmm. dictionary, but I was really disappointed to find they weren't uh, Zeb. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His species. Hey, Moz. Getting lost in this thing. Um I think Maz Kanata is a magnificent creation. We need, they have not released the track of the song that's playing in this thing. Yeah. And I wish they would. I don't. Was, <laughs> I just want to be able to sing it. I'm, I'm not a fan of it. Now that woman apparently in one of the Before the Awakening books or whatever, she's yeah. the one that delivered Vader's helmet to Kylo Ren. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, okay. And she's now, she's now looks like Harley Quinn and she's hanging yeah. out with Fat Boss. That's right. Okay. Those guys Mosquitoes? right there. No, those are freaking uh, from the planet. Uh, oh my gosh, where does where Coosbane? Those are Coosbanians from the planet Coosbane. That's what those guys were, and that's microphone droid. <laughs> Actually, I got to tell you, in the in in the Star Wars Car Trader app, they have a shot of BB-8, uh, mm-hmm. not BB-8, two one B, 
the medical droid. Mm-hmm. And I realized he's got a microphone, mouth. Got yeah. a microphone yeah. mouth. I'm like, okay, I'm fine with this now. There's so <laughs> much that I've been going back through and looking. I'm like, okay, I'm good. Some of it's inspired. You don't realize at first that it's inspired by OT material. And then you go back and you go, okay, I'm all right with that then. And here is that scene. Here is that scene where he is helmet acting, as they say, as Sam Whitworth says. Um, just, and again, Adam Driver, the chops the guy has that he can sell this scene, you know, and, and all the vocals, all the dialogues dubbed in, mm-hmm. but you don't need it. Well, and because the way it's filmed is we know, you know, as fans, because we dissected the trailers and everything, we knew the minute he started talking that he was talking to Vader's helmet. But the movie, this is the first time it's revealed that that's what he was doing. Oh, yeah. You know, and and so... If you're just a casual viewer or someone, there was a lot of people who this was the first Star Wars movie they ever went to watch. Yeah. You know, they're like, what's going on here? What's he, you know? And then for it to be during uh, Vader's helmet is just like um, outstanding. But yeah, his whole discussion there, I'm going to finish what you started. Does he mean wipe out the Jedi? He has to mean that. That has yeah. to be what he means. Yeah, it has to be. I love Maz Kanata, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, she's magnificent. She's like right up there. And to me, she fits into the Star Wars motif as well as some of our other new characters do. And the look is great. If mm-hmm. she were around in the 80s, she'd be a puppet. Of course. She looks. The look is fantastic, though. And uh, the animation's great. The performance is great. And just the quality she has, the, the wisdom she has. You don't know anything about the First well, Order. Well, I want to know her, you know, it's like she's got the same kind of mystery to her that Yoda has. Yeah, she's but, very much a Yoda to but me. It's, but it's different in as much as, like, if she is so good, why is she hanging out with such bad people? You know, what <laughs> yeah. is, what, you know, what are her ties and connections well, to, like, these underworld characters? And, you know, it may be that only a few people get to see the good her, kind of like Rick in Casablanca. Mm. You know, Rick is hanging out with scum and murderers She's and everything Rick else from Casablanca that's who she is yeah maybe wow. maybe but there's a good side to her that only certain people get to see I like it that's a great pull sir well done thank you I love that just that makes me like her character that much more <laughs> these uh these goggles that she wears are not just prescription glasses no Apparently, they have some other type of, like, things going on, you know, not just that she can. Now, does the Crimson Corsair we just saw a second ago, does he like not like being called Crimson Corsair? Is that? Is that? Thing? Is that? A, who is the Crimson Corsair? The, the guy that he. That's uh, not his name. Yeah, well, that's not his name, but it's something they call him. He's Captain Ithano. Mm-hmm. He's the captain of the ship. But they call him the Crimson Corsair. Oh, the Blood Buccaneer or the Red Raider. Ooh. Yeah. I like Blood Buccaneer. Yeah. He's Captain Ethano is his name? Yes. I thought that he was the first mate and the dude with the peg leg was the captain. Well, they may both be captains. I don't know. No, they're on the same ship. Like, look, that dude's got a peg leg. Wouldn't you think the peg leg's the captain? <laughs> right? Peg leg could be a first mate, couldn't He's he? that same guy I knew that had his knee amputated, his leg amputated <laughs> from the knee down. The same dude. Same here. <laughs> Same guy. 
uh, <laughs> I, I just assumed I haven't, I've got the visual dictionary. I just haven't like looked through it and, and read through it the way, I mean, I know some people just consume it. Yeah. And I just haven't had the opportunity to sit down or taken the opportunity to sit down and just consume it that way. Yeah. <clears throat> Again, there's a lot about Ray's look that is very Japanese. The raps. I mean, you. It, I think you said something to me about yeah. that. You know, because I was mentioning that I like her look at the end. You know, where she kind of gets a less raggy look. But it's still Japanese look. It's still yeah. And you mentioned the samurai kind of feel. Yeah. That it is, and and it's so true. Look at her hair buns. The three buns in her hair is mm-hmm. very samurai, and and even her tattooing garb. I mean, a lot of people say, well, it harkens back to Luke. But Luke's look was very Japanese, and I think this look is actually more Japanese. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but even, you know, when they put a little makeup on her eyes and that kind of thing, they kind of give her uh, that look. Finn and Ray going to get space married. I think there's a, there's definitely should be a romantic entanglement there. I think they dare, care about each other in that way. Or is it just that, because he, he says, you looked at me like no one's ever looked at me before. Yeah, but that was almost romance language. I understand, but I'm saying, is it is there attraction to one another just because she's never really been around a boy and he's never really been around a girl? Well, there could be that. Hadn't thought about that, but, you know, if that's the first one you laid eyes on, he's doing pretty well. All right, I have two theories I'm going to drop on you. One, okay. one is way out there, and another is not so much. Okay. The one I'm about to drop on you is not so much out there. Okay. As as Ray prepares to descend the steps and um and and have her vision, when she touches that lightsaber, mm-hmm. we'll take some time to go ahead and start breaking that vision down. Okay. Um, before I do that, I want to say she is not reaching into the same chest that was in Obi Wan's, uh, no. house. I saw where someone had put some meme like it's the same chest. I'm like, no, it's not. Everyone had a darn like you know trunk. What did it get back and, into the trunk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, last I saw it, it had a hand attached to well, it. Well, and it not only that, this is, this is a much smaller little chest than yeah. what was in Obi Wan's house. Yeah. So this whole vision, of course, as you know, Scott, and everyone who's watched this movie knows, starts with her on Cloud City, and I think in the novelization, I got to remember, I think we're led to believe that she's actually looking at the vader the fighting, yeah the fight that vader and luke i believe you're correct i think we're meant meant to led to believe that and so you hear luke you hear yoda mm-hmm. you hear obi-wan we do hear vader breathing but the only voices the only people speaking that you hear um are either memories of hers where she's screaming to come back and uncar plut says uh come on girl or whatever he says <laughs> come on girl. come on girl <laughs> <laughs> shut up um but oh. I mean that whole. That's gorgeous and it it's is. all practical. It is, but I don't amazing. think it is. I don't think it is either. But it's mm. just great that they've got it uh, worked out like that. Um, but she hears Obi Wan and Yoda specifically. She doesn't hear the voice of any dark side user. She sees Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. I think that. This is the beginning. Obviously, it's obviously her waking up. But what if she's not just hearing their voices, but they're actually speaking to her in the same way that Qui-Gon's like, Anakin, no, no, mm-hmm. uh, in episode two, that she is literally, they're trying to get her attention and speak to her. Because when, when old Obi-Wan says, Ray, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like, just stop and listen. Yeah. And, and then the, the last voice you hear is young Obi-Wan saying, these are your first steps. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think we're going to see, I think it, there's a good chance we'll see Ray communicating with Yoda and or Obi-Wan, if not both, um, in, in, in a future movie. So you think some force ghosts are coming? I think some force ghosts are coming. And I think there were force ghosts communicating with her. They're trying to get her attention in spite of the vision she was having. Now, if you have an Obi-Wan force ghost, do you use Ewan? I think you, I think you try to use Ewan and that's why they went with the younger voice there. Interesting. Well, you know, they originally had Jat do it. Right. And then they went and got Ewan back yep. in and got him to redo the line. But I, I think you definitely use Ewan, I think, and that's why they started with the older Alec Guinness and then went to uh, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan is because I think they intend on using that. I think they intend on using Hayden Christensen. That Wouldn't that be as a an kick Anakin, in the head? As an Anakin Force ghost. As the Force ghost. Yeah. And that would be a good reason to have dropped him into that uh, Blu-ray. Exactly. Again, I think, and I do think that, you know, of course, we'll never really know what Lucas had in mind, but I think that that's going to be what surprises everyone is that Lucas always intended to have Anakin's Force Ghost show up in his sequel trilogy with, um, you know, as Anakin's Force Ghost. I think he, I think he always intended that. At this, it was at this moment, the last time I was watching this movie, when Maz was talking to Ray, that this thought popped in my head, Scott, and... And this was the thought. And I mean, it was a conscious thought that just suddenly hit me. And I said to myself, I really like this movie. And it just came out. And I just breathed this huge sigh of relief. And it's like, (laughs) I'm like, thank God I like Star Wars. (laughs) Because I did strive. I had a lot to, there's a lot to get used to. If there was a white, by the way, um, there was a, there's a lot to get used to. But your wipes are a lot faster. They are. There's a lot to get used to with J.J. Abrams doing this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, out rather than um, George and, and his sensibilities. And so it just took me a moment to get there. I've maintained from the beginning. I love the new characters, love the story. But I had a hard time getting into the movie based on the look and feel. And I'd said from the get-go, there, there's a visual language that has to be adhered to. Mm-hmm. Do you think we will get more out of Captain Phasma in the in the following movies? Or that's hard to say. I mean, you know, we thought we were going to get more out of Boba Fett and Return of the Jedi, didn't we? <laughs> so, I mean, he's a little crazy. Oh, right. I mean, yeah. But this, I mean, this speech could have come from a Hitler speech in the late thirties. Well, I think it's definitely meant to, you know, evoke that. At the and same- he's just a zealot. But that's that's what's great about the Empire. It's run by zealots. Whereas the Empire was just run by people who didn't want to get choked before. Right, right. The First Order, you mean, is run by Zealots. I mean, the First Order, yeah, I'm sorry. But they believe in the tenets of the Empire. I mean, this is Mm -hmm. out of the ashes of the Empire is built this First Order. Yeah. Um, But it's crazier. It's more destructive. It's it's less controlled. So does that make it scarier than the Empire or, I mean, or more I think easily it, to beat than the Empire? I think it does make it scarier because it makes it less predictable. I mean, at the end of the day, Palpatine, for all his being a Sith Lord, was a politician. Mm-hmm. And there were certain things politically he knew he could make happen on a political scale that he didn't have to make happen on a military scale. These guys don't know that. They're just going to blow up. They're going to blow up a whole system right here. A whole here. system just because the Republic happens to be there. Now, it was pointed out to me... Um, during a show uh, in the old Mixler chat when we were doing the Geek Out Loud. Now, this guy on the left here, that's the 
the president of the republic or the, whatever they right. call it, chancellor. He's not a Bothan, is he? I don't know. Um, that the Death Star could blow up Star Killer Base. Okay. That and, and in fact, the Death Star may have an advantage over Star Killer Base. Well, the Death Star would have to get through Star Killer Base's shields. You don't think that weapon could get through those shields? I don't know. I think it could. I don't know. I don't know how strong the shields are. Never had to test them. Well, anything going slower than light speed can't get through. No. A laser is light. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. I don't know about that. I gotta. I gotta think about that one. I'm just telling you. Start. Well, I never. They never called it a, we- a laser. They called it a super weapon. Yeah, but what's it shooting? It's shooting energy. <laughs> <laughs> and does energy not? Never mind. I don't know about. I don't know about energy waves and that sort of thing. As far as how energy works, well, maybe the light gets through, but the energy doesn't. Mm. I don't know. In light energy, though, light creates energy. Makes it grow. Okay, here's your apocalypse now shot. Yeah, and I was surprised. I thought that was going to be on Jakku based on coming in. Yeah, it looks deserty, doesn't it? Yeah. Han recognizes this lightsaber. Of course, I I just now realized I was about to ask a stupid question. Why would Han recognize it? He used it, Steve. Yeah, he cut open a tauntaun yeah. with it. He, that's not something you soon forget. No. Yeah. I'll well, see the question, you in hell. Where'd you get that? And then she's, oh, ask me later, which is good for storytelling, but bad for, come on now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, does that question ever get resolved on screen, do you think, or does that wind up being something they do in a novel or a comic? I hope it gets resolved on screen. Um, I don't I don't want to have to seek out that story, necessarily. I fear you may have to. You may. Um, you know, it, it, it reminds me, a lot of this reminds me of episode two to episode three, where they asked a lot of questions in episode two. You anticipated they would answer them all in episode three, and they just they, and they couldn't. They never did. They left them. Yeah, there were too many. They yeah. they opened up too many. Um, there's a cut scene. I don't know if it, they actually filmed it or not, but in the novel, oh, yeah. there's a scene with Uncar Plutt showing up at uh, at Maz's castle to take Ray out. You know, yeah, and get back to the Falcon. Because yeah. of the Falcon, and um, and she goes to shoot him, and he's like, "You don't know anything about guns," and and he tells her the safety's on. Yep. And that's why that moment there was just like, oh, safety. You know, it, it's yeah. it's kind of – so I don't know if that was ever filmed or, or you know, if it was just in the script. I, I tend to think it was probably just in the script, even though Chewie is at Maz's castle when they're coming out of the rubble. And he was there um, – Oh yeah, and he wasn't there initially. He was yeah, right. Where's, he stayed at Falcon, but boyfriend? he w- but he was there in the hallway down there. Okay, solo shoots, shoots behind the back. Right. Doesn't look. <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> but uh, but Chewie actually in that scene in, in Maz's castle in, in the novel rips Uncar's arm out of its socket. Yeah. Well, Wookiees so, are known to do that. Yeah. So, and why didn't Han? I'm surprised that Han didn't kind of argue when she handed the lightsaber to Finn. He's like, "What are you giving that to that kid for?" But well, he may not be back on board fully still. Well, let me part of this crossbow. Now, at 40 years. <laughs> Why didn't I have me one of these yeah. things? Yeah. Yeah. I like this. That thing's doing some damage, too. Oh, I it mean, is. like, I, of course, we never got to see Chewie use it except in Return of the Jedi when he blows up a speeder bike with it. A traitor. Now, you know what I don't like? Let me get into some of the new canon material that mm-hmm. I don't like is they start giving all these stormtroopers nicknames. Right. Like oh, the yeah. clones. Yeah. They start giving the stormtroopers nicknames. And here's the problem I have with it. Finn, when he's asked what his name is and Poe calls him Finn, 
he acts like that is anathema. Like mm, we've that's never, right. that's I've true. never had a nickname before. Nobody I've ever known's ever had a nickname before. Right. And then all of a sudden, oh yeah, they all had nicknames. So I, I was, I'm not a fan of, of yeah, that's expanding obvi- things. Where yeah, but I, I think that there's such a, um, there's such a desire to try to make people feel familiar with certain things and like, cause that is a clone thing. Yeah. You know, to have the nicknames. Yep. Um, I can't imagine that the first order would allow people to have nicknames. No, exactly. Um, you know, that this is your number that you were designated. That's who you are. And that's all you are. What is that stormtrooper? There was another one on Jakku that they got like yeah, the vest on. They've got, uh, they've got extra, uh, ammunition, I think. Well, I'm telling you, it makes them look fat. <laughs> Do I look fat in the Sambo belt? It is not flattering. <laughs> oh, boy. The first time you saw the X-Wings kicking up sprays of water, you went crazy, right? It's so cool. So good. Poe Dameron's alive. How? Who knows? <laughs> Why did he take BB-8 with him? Never mind. I got out of there somehow. Somehow. Yeah. It was, it was late. It was dark. I don't know what happened um tie fighter skimming the water it's actually get your elbow out of the way scott <laughs> it's actually um <laughs> it's actually explained in the novel i know i've been saying that a lot i need to quit talking about the novel i feel like yeah. i've talked about it too much but it's, it's, it's almost like it's become a harry potter thing yeah well, poe goes and shoots everybody away from those guys that's right and that's a heck of a that's, that's a, one heck of a pilot yeah you better believe it mm. well he takes out in that one shot that tracks him I counted the other day watching. I want to say I got to eight. Wow. It was like seven or eight that he got to. Because there's one, well, here goes two, one. three, four, five, five six, six. The three stormtroopers. Seven and eight. Didn't he hit a set? There's didn't nine. He? Oh, yeah. Ten. Okay. Yeah, boom. Maybe yeah. I was counting an explosion eight that wasn't eight. Takes out so, ten ties. and Yeah. So, boom. I mean, look. He's incredible. He could take on right now. He feels like he could take on the whole empire himself. Now, this was filmed, if I'm not mistaken, was it filmed right around where they filmed Excalibur? Because it really looks like Excalibur. I don't know. I I didn't. I can't tell if this is a soundstage or not because, like, this terrain here mm-hmm. looks like they just covered covered it in snow for the Star Killer base fight. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. So, I imagine it's somewhere in in England, right? Yeah, well, they uh, they have that Puzzlewood shoot, and I just kind of feel like that's it, this looks a lot like Excalibur. I'm sorry, Puzzlewood. Yeah. What is that a place? Yeah. I want to live there. <laughs> that just sounds like a. I live yes, in Puzzlewood. Does. Yes. Puzzle. Where is Puzzlewood? Is that in? I don't, is that in Great Britain? Yeah. Let me Google that for you. Let me Google. That I am for excited you. to know about Puzzlewood. So, um. First confrontation between Ray and Kylo Ren. She does a good job of looking scared. Here. Oh yeah. We cut back to the castle where they're I just mean, they're, they're just, just getting routed. <clears throat> he calls he's calling for the retreat, and that's I'm glad they showed him call for the retreat, but you know, could Kylo Ren have turned the tide of battle there? I, if he actually engaged the battle instead yeah. of... Yeah. Oh, good question. I guess... Let's see, the guys are coming up now. Hey, we need more troops. Is that spelled P-U-Z-Z-L-E Wood? Yeah. Welcome to Puzzlewood. 
Puzzlewood.net. I'm wondering, I hope this didn't want to take me to some game, Scott. Now. I don't know what it is. Come on. Solo sees him carry her off. Kylo's ship, I hadn't mentioned that. In watching the previews and everything, I was never a big fan of his ship. But then seeing it in motion, seeing the way, like in when it's coming to Maz's castle, the way it just kind of comes around the corner yep. and lands the way it lands there on Jakku. It's a very intimidating looking ship. It's a bat. Yeah. Unfortunately, no dogs allowed as our sheep and cows are not very keen on them. Okay. Is that Puzzlewood? Yeah, Puzzlewood okay. is now closed until the 13th of February. Oh, no. I hope it's not because they're shooting there. Um, There goes that bat wing. BB-8 sees it. And then the 2001 bone ship. The, what is, is that what? It looks like is? it looks like the satellite of love on Mystery Science Theater. I keep I've been saying that it looks like the Dern um the 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 uh the ship that they're in from the second or third season of Buck Rogers in the nineteen eighties oh, when wow. they're just traveling through space. <laughs> I I really like this scene. I've heard people criticize this scene and I don't know why. Who criticizes this scene? I don't know. I love this scene. Why would you criticize this I've, scene? I've heard the dialogue criticized and I think the dialogue is perfect. A three PM <laughs> I don't like his finish. There's I, something wrong with his whole costume, dude. Yeah, it's Look at, the neck, you, the little neck uh, sprouts. Yeah, what are, are those things out. about? Well, they've always been there, but they're too far out. And and also his around the stomach area, where there's all of the wires and everything, you mm -hmm. can tell that it's like there's mesh there rather than mm -hmm. it's supposed it's supposed to just be jumbled up wires and that sort of yeah. thing. You know, no real body there, but you can tell there's like a mesh suit there. Yeah, especially in those 4K projections. <laughs> And Chewie comes and gives her a big hug. Which is like two feet difference between him and Carrie Fisher. I love the look he gave Han when he hugged her. He's like, mm -hmm. this is what you should have done, you yep. moron. <laughs> she says, I saw him. Well, and everything changes. That, that's what I like about this scene is it's like it's sweet. It's funny. Move your head, Scott. <laughs> um, you know, it's sweet. It's funny. It's It's moving. And then it just turns to crap just got real. Yeah. Yes, it did. And now they're setting him in the water tank. Oh, wait, no. It's a hanger. <laughs> it's a water tank. It looks like there's something at the water uh, company. You know, it hit me the other day watching this. There's a Batmobile somewhere under there. Is there? Yeah. Did you ever see that video where they were like playing? Oh, yeah. The oh, yeah. They... I totally forgot about that. And then he sees Poe. And BB-8's like, yes! And Poe's... This is the thing. Po, little buddy. Yeah, Poe has been kind of compared to Han Solo because of his piling and everything. But no one no one in this movie, none of the new characters kind of have that hard Han Solo edge to them. No. You know, Poe is... Cynic. Poe is, yeah, no, there's not a cynic in this movie. And maybe Finn is a little bit, but like, the way he runs up and hugs Poe there and, you know, he's also ignorant. You know, Finn's also kind of like the ignorant one of the bunch. And Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so there's no real, you know, I, I always heard in one of the criticisms I always heard in the prequels is there's no real Han Solo character. Well, there's not really here either. I mean, Han Solo is a Han Solo character, but yeah. you know what I mean. In this new cast, there's not that cynical voice. Um, Han wanting to run to a droid and be like, hey, buddy, how you doing? No, not at all. You know, that kind of thing. Greg Grunberg to take us all out of the film, ladies and gentlemen. 
Well, it needed a backdrop. Snap, can you stand right here, please? Uh, I mean, I've never seen those chess pieces look so small. So <laughs> <laughs> Even on Porkins. Poor Greg. Son of Porkins. I love this scene, too. Oh, you must be very brave. <laughs> and we still don't, I still don't understand why that didn't wake Gar 2 up. But not for me to know, I guess. I think his power-up cycle just took longer than anticipated. Is that what it was? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been shut down for so long, you know. Mm -hmm. It's going to take him a little while to power back up and this get going. Is, you want to talk about expository scenes that you don't care for? This is one right here. It's about to happen. With with him and her talking about yes. Kylo Ren? Yes. Oh, my. See, I don't. I disagree. I, I mean, think it I, was Snoke. It was, it, we don't, I don't. He doesn't need to be told that. He knows what happened. He was there. But no, he. That's just for us. But the reason she's saying that to him is he's blaming the kid. <sighs> he's saying it's all the kid. There was too much Vader in him. And she's like, no, it was Snoke. And he seems to have been right. Well, I. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> can't disagree with you there. No. I can't say that you're wrong. R2, they had a rag over him. I think it was because of moisture, I think I read. The the blanket they had over him, but yeah, this just this just came across to me as exposition. Well, it is exposition, but it's also setting up. But this also sets up him going to Kylo Ren as much yes. as their as much as their conversation outside the Falcon, and also, don't you want to see them on screen as much as possible together? Because we're yeah. never going to see it again. Yeah, but there's three scenes they have together, and the first one and the third one are really charming and interesting and this one just falls flat to me because it's exposition 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 and it reminds me of my wife where she just will sit there and describe everything that's happened to us even though i already know it and it just drive me a little crazy sometimes you just uh compare well i mean that's what his wife's doing <laughs> it's true to life <laughs> Because remember the other day we were in there. I'm like, yes, I remember. What TV audience are you recapping this for? <laughs> that happens to us a lot. <laughs> Before Wait. you start these conversations with me, honey, just say previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Previously on our life. Yes. Yesterday in the Riven House. <laughs> um, Carrie Fisher, very controlled performance. Uh, when you see her in public. That's not the Carrie Fisher you see these days. Which is why she should get an Oscar for her role. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's doing real acting she's doing, in this movie. She's doing a lot to just she is keep it down. doing some real acting in this movie. Okay, now, Ray, she's bound. This scene goes a long way um, to show us Ray tapping into someone else's They This scene goes uncomfortably long when they start going back and forth with each other in each other's heads. Um, I'll show you in a moment when it gets started. I do have a question here that I've not asked anyone and I always forget to ask, and I'm glad we're watching now. What does he set his helmet in? There are those who say that is Darth Vader's ashes. It's not Darth Vader's I ashes. I have an issue with that being Darth Vader's ashes. That's I don't not, know. That's not Darth Vader. Why would Darth Vader's ashes be in the interrogation room? In the interrogation room, room exactly. It's like if it was his room, I get it. But, yeah, not there. I don't I don't know what that is. It's like it's like the cat box is what it looks like. Yeah. 
But it's hot. I mean, like it's it's meant to be coals burning or embers in it. I mean, isn't it like? Is it? That's what it looks like to me. Why would he put that there then? I don't know. <laughs> that's why I'm asking. <laughs> Third base. Why did he set it on top of the trash can? They just swept up. That's <laughs> where the mouse took up everything. Um, Adam Driver is a weird looking dude, man. Yeah, he is. He has an Anakin Skywalker hairdo, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, he does. I mean, come on. Let's be real. If you're going to call it, call it. Yeah, I am calling it. I'm calling it right now. He has an Adam Driver hairdo. I'm an Adam Driver. He has an Anakin Skywalker (laughs) hairdo. Look, they're interchangeable to me. Yeah. Um, Here's what I mean. Like, he starts doing this thing, you know, and he's talking about, I see the island, you know, there it is. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And that sort of thing. And it's when it, it. she starts to push back that I feel like not that it goes on too long, a beat or two too long, but it, it hangs around a beat or two or three longer than you think it should before she starts talking. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it goes from this point, like just, just watch. She leans forward. She thrusts back. She leans forward. You know, um, she starts making those noises and it's just like, now, well, see now you're, I mean, the criticism has been everything happens too quickly, and now you're saying it's taking too long. I'm not saying it's taking too long. I'm saying I'm coming, I'm pushing back against that criticism of taking too quickly. Oh, gotcha. To say that, you know, they they spend a lot of time in this scene with them going back and forth here. As she begins to realize she's tapping into his mind right there, The mm. her face kind of, her features soften up a little bit. He starts to get a little worried. You know, and she's starting to kind of... She's taking control. Yes. And it's because he tapped into her mind and unlocked her ability to understand what it's like to touch someone else's mind. And so now she's figuring it out for herself because she's always had to figure everything out for herself. Yes, she has. No one's ever taught this girl anything. No one's ever, you know, and so in this moment, and she's a survivalist, she's had to survive. So in this moment, she's figuring it out herself whether she realizes she's using the force or not she's like i've got the ability to push back against this guy Mm -hmm. and now i'm going to do it he recognizes her strength in the force and because she's familiar with all the myths and all the stories and everything she has heard in her you know in her little storybooks or however she did about a jedi mind trick that's where you think the Jedi mind trick came from. Yes. All right, we do have different theories then. Oh, good. I'm thinking that in his unlocking her abilities, he unlocked the part of her brain that was wiped when a Jedi mind trick was done on her oh. to wipe her memory as she was left on Jakku. So he <laughs> he undid the little flashy thing. He undid the little flashy <laughs> thing, exactly. <laughs> Here's a guy that just made a Men in Black reference. <laughs> Men in Black 2, by the way. Yes, yes. So... Uh, Which yeah. one's the one where they flush down the toilet? Is that two? They flush down the toilet, the flashy thing? No, yeah. Well, I, I always get, like, the, his whole deal with the flashy thing getting undone is, is a whole process. But there's one where they have to evacuate the MIB headquarters. Isn't that two? I think that is two. Yeah, that and is they, two. And they kind of, it, it does like a flush and toilet thing. I don't know. Never mind. Anyhow. there's There she is. So you think her mind was wiped or her mind, her her memories were. Suppressed. Suppressed. Yeah. And in unlocking and in tapping into her force abilities, she has begun to unlock a lot of that. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what I'm. Thinking. I think that's, it's a sound theory. I think 
I think it's just as sound as my theory is, That's... which I think my theory is very sound. <laughs> so. And then you get Officer Daniel Craig here. Which we never had to know that was Daniel Craig. I mean, it's no. nice to know, but like. That is just a weird. That's a weird look. That's a weird. You're talking about the Kylo Ren look without yeah. the hood? Yeah. That shot. Is there not a shot of Vader that tracks him like through a hallway like that for a minute? If it is, he's not walking like that. No, he's not Again. walking with that weird walk. He's walking yeah. with the Vader walk, but yeah. it's but it's a similar shot with the camera down, you know, and he's walking toward it, but as the camera moves away from him, I got to go back through Star Wars and see because it feels that shot feels as familiar as it does mm-hmm. look, you know, make I him agree. look weird. I agree. It's got a Vader feel to it. This one in particular as well. Mm-hmm. But he's got his helmet is more Nazi contoured than Vader's. Well, Vader's he, had to come over with a listen, samurai. Contour. He was just an amateur when it came to his helmet making. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and let me ask you this: you know, there are little pits in the face mask on the mm-hmm. around the mouth area. Do you think that's a thing? Is is that a story? Is there a story reason for that? Just wear and tear. Just wear and just, tear. Just your everyday. I mean, Lens flare. look, you wake up every morning and put that thing on. Yeah. And somebody. <laughs> takes a beat yeah you're gonna drop it sometimes off the <laughs> nightstand it's yeah. not gonna drop it in the ashes yeah, yeah. you put it down in the whatever that thing was you know the kitty litter <laughs> box or whatever it was is this not is this whole thing of the sun charging the planet is is it not more like, science fictiony than star wars normally is no because it's there's no reality in science in it at all okay it's really much more fantasy than star wars okay good. it's it's more of a fantasy element because there's no science behind it whatsoever uh that doesn't work that can't work uh what i found interesting you know i mentioned to you before you know there's a lot of in this movie where the, coming up there's a lot of 15 minutes 10 minutes two minutes mm-hmm. and the last time i saw it I actually timed all this out yeah and their cues with the exception of the two minute marker their cues are all dead on really in movie time but in plot time, they're not. They're nowhere near. Because you've know, you got to think at one point they have to traverse all of Starkiller Base just to catch up with, da- with Daisy, right. with Ray, and that kind of thing. But the but in actual film time, mm-hmm. their cues are dead on. Hmm. Well, that's interesting because normally yeah. they're not. No, not at all. Exactly. But when they say 10 minutes and then later, or 15 minutes and later they say five, it's been 10 minutes. Wow. But it has been more than 10 minutes of plot time. That's what the mistake is. Who? There's EMAT. Who? Emat. Emat. The guy with the beard. Okay. Is uh, Emat. He's actually in the solo book in the Journey of the Force Awakens. They have to go rescue him. Oh, nice. In the olden days, right after the Death Star. So he's been oh, with the Rebellion wow. for a long time. Who is the, the, the Asian fella? He looks familiar to me. I'm just talking about the actor. Oh, who's the actor? I do not know who the actor me is. Me either, but he looks familiar, and he's very much the... I mean, you talk about exposition. <laughs> that yeah. whole thing... There's PZ4CO, by the way. He's one yep. of the, you know, one of the two brief times we get to see him. Oh, nine numb. Good to Which, have him back. Yeah, but he looks weird to me. Yeah. Well, it was thirty years to do that. Okay, to that's true. Celestin. That's how Celestin's age, I guess. Yeah. Their face gets smoothed yeah. out more. Admiral Statura, though, is the guy you were talking right, about right, earlier. Right. And he seems a little youngish mm-hmm. to be a, one of these, you know, to be talking about there has to be some kind of oscillator like <laughs> he works with his hands a lot you know he's like i'm like i'm sorry okay here's the third and final scene you this is the one that you think you like this one too. i like this one mm-hmm. i don't like it as much as the first one but i do like it it's 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 them to me yeah and it advances story while still being them whereas the other one to me just felt like wooden 
just hurling out some exposition. But this one's sweet. It's tender. And it's got that story message where she says. Bring him back. If or? you see our son. Yeah. Bring him back. So I'm just going to hug you. You think she knows it's going to be the last time she sees him? I don't think she does. Because if if she'd known that, because he's, the only way he dies is doing what she told him to do. That's true. So <laughs> if she knew it was the last time she saw him, hopefully she would not have told him that. So do you think that she really thinks that all he has to do is show him and be like, come home, Ben. Well, it almost and be is. Like, and Ben will be like, gosh, Dad, I was having so much Dad. fun with my First Order friends. <laughs> I was going to the First Order to pick up some power covers. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, even whininess is genetic. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the inside of hyperspace shots? Oh yeah, I've heard you talk about these being too Star Trekky. Are they? But they are. They're, like they, the- they are Star Trekky, but they but they're also reasonable to me. I don't think they are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think they're reasonable. I think they that's if you were to show outside of the ship in hyperspace, that's what it would look like. Uh, love these shots. I love the Falcon plowing through the forest. Me too. Me too. I just think it's gorgeous. I just think they played too much with light speed in this movie, though. I feel like... They played with it a few times. They played with it on the freighter. Yeah, the freighter and then here. this. I, I'm like, well, one or the other. Here, Here's my plot reason for not caring for that part. I mean, it, to me, it moves the movie along fine. Let's move the movie along. The plot problem I have is they have mounted an entire offensive, the... the, the uh, resistance is mounted an entire offensive that pretty much uses all the ships they have at their disposal and mm-hmm. all of their resources it's pretty much a last ditch effort based on well you wouldn't like it if i told you that's true I mean, that's his plan yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you got to do what you got to do go, oh, okay desperate times desperate measures. i'm sorry i think i'd hold out and go uh, we're not going to you the tell championships me on the line you pull out all the stops <laughs> how many other puns can i how many other cliches can i throw in there i just you know i would think they would have had a oh, oh. sanitation <laughs> <laughs> i love this line i love <laughs> i out. love finn saying we can use the, the galaxy is counting on us I like I like where Finn says we can use the Ford. Like he comes to the realization, oh, we can do this. That's not how the Force works. <laughs> oh, oh really? Cold. You're cold. <laughs> Such a great moment. Such, a, but so we're still going to keep pressing on. Yeah, you know? well, we got to now. Yeah, we got to figure something out, dude. Chewie tackling Phasma in a moment is just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, just wonderful. And I think actually what they did was they took uh, Peter Mayhew and threw him at Phasma. Yes, is what they did yeah. actually, because he can't really handle it himself anymore yes so. <laughs> oh i figured they just threw a costume and what's so great is that shot um you know <sighs> following her walking uh that's the one we got in slow motion all those trailers made yeah. it look so ba and yeah now it's like oh you're about to get your butt handed to you there's finn has to be reined back in oh <sighs> i do kind of hope finn grows up a little bit between now and the next movie <laughs> just for his sake well, uh, you know, the interesting thing is, again, he's unconscious. Yeah. He's out. Very Death Star looking. But, I mean, I think that's just a tribute to good production design. Of course. And I also think that there's something about Star Wars movies where there has to be some kind of deep hole or crevasse somewhere. <laughs> True. I mean, they're every single Maybe that's one of Joseph them. Joseph Campbell. Is that is that what it is? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, the abyss. Oh. Well, there's one in every one. Um, 
and you know this thing of her climbing down this wall and getting into the access panel but and everything. that was all set up in the It in was the all first set act. up so well. Yeah. And and the novel Oh crap, I said I wasn't going to say anything about it. <laughs> but the novel actually takes the time to mention when she starts going through all the star killer base stuff and Are you later about her right there. <laughs> that she's going to get smashed. Yeah. And later when um when she opens the doors up for Han and Chewie to go into the oscillator place and playing the explosives, they go to, they make sure that she mentions that the technology has not really changed Yeah, from what she was digging out of star destroyers to, you know, what's in there now. Steve Petrumdo. So as, um, so as much as technology has advanced, we want to talk about that. There's a lot that the first order said, well, this worked. Let's just keep it on. You know? Yeah, sure. I mean, transistors are still in use 50 years later, so. That's, <laughs> I mean, also, in the resistance base, let's throw every type of technology or every type of little thing we have saw in a Star Wars movie. Yes. In, you know, in, in a war room there. The glass screens, the, glass the round screens, display. The round display, the hollow projectors, you know, yeah. coming up from Jedi. It's all there. It's like, J.J., save something for the other people to throw back to. <laughs> Maybe it's just his job to do all the throwing back, and then everybody else can go forward. We needed Y-Wings for this particular bomb. They are run, bombers. Like. Yeah. They do bomb. Or maybe these new X-Wings are you know equipped to be bombers as well. So they I saw no bombs. Get rid of the old. Well, they do bomb. Snowtroopers. Well, one of the few glimpses of those new snowtroopers. I really like those snowtroopers. I just want to say the shoulder thingies are very prominent in the pauldrons. Yeah, in the old first order. Yeah, like everyone's got one, and they're like shiny. Yeah. Oh, Elo Asti. Yeah. Not a fan. Really? Yeah. Why not? I don't want the Beastie Boys on my Star Wars. Well, you know what? But George Lucas, you know, yeah, he did stuff based like on what? stuff he liked. I can't think of anything like off the top of my head. Corn free tie. It's a right. corn fritter. Corn, corn fritter, fritters yeah. are timeless. <laughs> the Beastie Boys. The Beastie are Boys are of an era. No, man, they're they're iconic. Uh, Come on, I can't name you one song. They. Oh wait, no, Brass Monkey. That's a funky monkey. That funky monkey. That's the only part okay. of that song I know. Oh, you got to fight for your right to party. That's right. That was the big hit. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. I should listen to Beastie Boys more. But see, here's what I'm talking about. We're plot time. Mm-hmm. The countdown is 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 absolutely in sync. Mm-hmm. But plot time. They turn around. They spot Ray all the way across the thing. They have to get there, and they really don't, per se. You know, on on screen, which is fine. Well, it looks like they're kind of at the end. See, there it is. They didn't get there in ninety seconds. They might have. No. Yeah. No. They just kind of ran around the corner. It was all the way around that. Yeah, but they were kind of at the on the one end of it, so like they could run around. I'm not buying that. Uh, well, rewind it. Whose baby is Re- that? You Everyone rewind it. Can't rewind oh, the yeah, movie. That's a commentary. <laughs> <laughs> rewind it, everybody. Look, you tell me what you think. But see here again, she is attached to him because he came back for her. Right. Her family didn't come back for her. Oh, man, that's a good point. He came back yes, for her. Yes, and he was going to leave, and, and he still came back for Chewie her. says... You know, and the only reason he, he he lied about being able to get the shield down so he could come get her mm-hmm. was his idea. Yeah, and Chewie says it's his idea, and that just that's what really just messes her up because nobody came back for her ever. Mm. That's a great point. I'm so glad we're watching this movie together and talking <laughs> through it. I'm just hoping nobody else in the theater is getting disturbed at that fact. 
They also, I, I'm going to say this, they also shot the interior X-Wing cockpits a little bit differently mm-hmm. here and there. A little bit more. A little tighter. Little, well, in some cases tighter. In some cases, I feel like they pulled back a little more mm. um, or, or had it at a different angle. You know, what is that purple monkey? <laughs> Don't know. You know, why Why not just have Akbar deliver that piece of information? You know, why do we need a purple monkey there <laughs> that has a perfectly human voice? Like, there was no effect put on his voice. Well, I, think, you know, I think they're afraid of that at this point. Oh, get over that. After all the stuff that happened at the prequel trilogy. There was a, seg- there was a sequence of them stealing that uh, Snowspeeder. Yes. Uh, removed. Yes, and you see she's wearing Finn's jacket in that shot. Yep. yep. And then the next time you see it, he'll be putting it back on, but right. they never really show that exchange. So that sequence was cut. When Han says my friend has a bag of explosives, was he talking about Finn or Chewie? I think he was talking about Chewie. Okay. I thought he may be talking about Finn saying, oh. hey, we've gone from, did you just call me solo to this is my friend? <laughs> I, it's a weird line, and I don't know why. Because if he was going, if Chewie had it, he would said Chewie here has a bag of explosives. Why don't we use them? I don't know. And it was Finn that was Love bagging the sound him up. design there as Chewie's climbing the ladder. He mm-hmm. kind of huffs up. You hear him. Yeah. You know. That shot right there looked like straight out of Empire, by the way. That shot of Chewie. Mm. Um, Cloud City era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we didn't. We never really saw bangs, Chewie. From Jedi? No, remember in Empire he had the bangs when they when they were getting oh, roughed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jedi, he had some weird. He had a weird let part me, going on up top. Yeah, let me let me go let me go really obscure if I can, or, or probably pointless observation. Yes, those unusual shots and the shortness of his helmet. Mm-hmm. He looks like when they show those low shots. Yeah, Kylo Ren looks like a pawn. Mm. Now I don't know if that means anything to me. He he bears a striking resemblance to the chess piece, a pawn, and I wonder if that's not deliberate. It was deliberate. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it's a poor attempt at making a Vader mask. I it really could be. do. But he does strike me as looking like a pawn, and I get, it, yeah, he does the way that the, the way his little bottom flares out, yeah. And, his little bottom. The way. <laughs> I guess I can see that. I don't know. I don't. I. Mm, that's a very subtle thing to try to put in there. Is Abrams that kind of dude? I don't know. He 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 pays attention to details. No doubt about that. Well, they didn't pay attention to putting a, a handrail across his catwalk. <laughs> All right. Now here's my way out. There's no OSHA in the. What? Uh, you have a problem with his name being Ben? No, I don't either. Not I think at all. It's great. Um, <laughs> here's my way out theory. Yes. Um, the the whole Star Killer base is uh, the whole weapon is based around hyperspace and the use of hyperspace mm-hmm. to to send that laser out through time even and space to super hyperspace. Yeah, yeah. Even super hyperspace. Uh, in this thermal oscillator thing, it looked like it was you know connected in the in the hologram directly to the core down there where all that stuff would be going on. You mean the planet's core. The planet's core. <laughs> um so I imagine here's my here's my theory. Han Solo's not dead. We're gonna have episode eight, the search for Han. <laughs> He's been he has been via hyperspace uh transported 
elsewhere where his wounds proved not to be fatal and he's just lost his memory. I think that totally undoes this. Oh, sure it does, but... I think it totally makes this... Listen, I said it's a way out there theory. (laughs) I didn't say I believe it. I'm just saying... That's your out. If you if you want Han to be back, there's your out right yeah. there. Yeah, I just I want him back, but I don't want him back like that. Yeah. Uh I think I think you take all the guts out of this scene uh if you ever bring him back. He kinda took all the guts out of Han in this scene. He kinda did. Um I, I just I still am torn about I'm trying to figure out if I don't like it because Han Solo dies or if I'm just you know, if it's a real legit criticism <laughs> that they shouldn't have killed Han Solo, I, I'm really torn as to how I feel about this because on one hand, I understand that, you know, based on who Kylo Ren is and, and what needed to happen here needed to happen. But on the other hand, it's like, we just got him back. You know, yeah. the it it so much for your happy ending of Return of the Jedi. And, and I think it's, I think that people who have a problem with this because of, not wanting to see their heroes spent the last 30 years in bad places. I, I think they have a legit gripe. They wanted a happy ending for these guys. Yeah. Sure. And I love this. I know what I have to do, but I don't think I have the strength to do it. And of course, what he means is kill you. Yeah. I got to kill you. Uh, will you help me do that? Sure. I'll help you do yeah, that. I'll yeah. I'll help you. Han thinks he means leave. Of course. Yeah. And and that's why. Don't you think though? In this, I mean, there's real conflict going on with Kylo in this moment. Oh, like, absolutely. I feel like he may have left had the darkness not overshadowed. <laughs> yeah, physically, literally, there it goes. That's what I'm saying. Is I think darkness that the change. Him. And he may see his his role in the universe where the the resistance is about to be destroyed completely and utterly. I have mm-hmm. no chance. I have no choice. Right. There's no life for me anywhere else I, now. See, I don't know. I don't think it's out of that much. I don't think there's any type of despair feeling trapped. I think that it's very well established that Kylo Ren does not want to be drawn toward the light in any way, shape, or form. Well, he says, thank you. Yeah. And I think he means that thank you. And then you've got this moment, which I think is just marvelous. Right? Just, he's not. I wish you would have slapped him. Well, what's interesting is, you know, he, he says to Leia earlier. See the light he's falling into? Yes, I see he's falling into the light. He's falling into the uh, hyperspace light that's going <laughs> to transport him. But, you know, he says to Leia earlier, you know, there's too much Vader in him. But I think at that point, I think in those last instances, he is seeing that good that Leia saw in him. Well, I think he's seeing his son for sure. Yeah. You know, and um, again, another cut scene that we know is there is Kylo Ren on the Falcon. Like yeah. sitting in the cockpit of the Falcon, and that's right. Um, and I, I think that, you know, I, I wish we'd have got to see a little bit more of that struggle that Kylo was having. Uh, I understand why they would have cut some of it, but, but at the end of the day, um, I think that you know Han in in his last moments definitely saw his son and and did. I think you're right. You know, recognize the conflict, and I think there's forgiveness in that moment. Yeah, I think yep. there is love in that moment yep and um and I, I agree with you i think there may be some realization there is light in him but i think the light's going out man i i think that the way this is going to kind of turn star wars on its head is there's no redemption for kylo ren i don't think you can redeem him as a character i mean just 
I mean, how do you how do you bring him back other than an act of self sacrifice? Right, right, right. Uh, you can't bring him back and make him a good guy again after all he's done. I mean, running solo through was the last straw. Yeah. Well, and that's what it took for Anakin. Anakin could not have lived on beyond Return of the Jedi. It yes. had to be that self sacrifice um, to redeem himself from himself. Of himself. <laughs> yes. Little smack talk here that I enjoy. We're mm-hmm. not through or we're not done yet. I, you know. This is interesting, though, because this is also one of those movie things nowadays is the actors can never have their faces covered. Yeah. Uh, so he gets rid of the uh, pounding his side with a gunshot wound that he got from Chewie. Um, but the the actors can never just have their faces obscured. That's and I don't know if it's a vanity thing or a storytelling thing. I think it's a movie studio movie thing. Movie studio thing. Yeah, we paid all this money for this star, so yeah. you better darn well show us. Well, you saw it with Tobey Maguire back in the Spider-Man. Yes. And that's yes. kind of where it started, you know. Every seven seconds, they had to whip those masks <clears throat> off during those fights. Yeah, or, or, or Robert Downey Jr. with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's happened. Chris Evans is never wearing his mask by the end of the fight, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's talk about lightsaber battles here. We saw the one with the riot trooper earlier, and it wasn't really a lightsaber battle. Mm-mm. You know, what we're seeing here is not a Jedi at all. We're just seeing Finn really just kind of get back down, and, and he's basically in defense mode the whole time. Yep. Um, we, we've gone back now to a time away from the height of the Jedi where, you know, you're spinning, you're kicking, you're you're flipping, yeah. you're flopping, you're flying, to you're slashing and hacking, just trying to stay alive. Yeah. Um, and what in what what they do well through this sequence with Finn and Kylo, and through what's coming with Ray and Kylo, is just like the Vader Luke fight from Return of the Jedi. It's not the style of the fight mm-hmm. that makes it intense, that makes it captivating it is the context of what's going on in the fight yeah absolutely it's the stakes mm-hmm. involved in the fight now finn just took his slash to the back and he's out cold he does not wake up for the rest of this film right period john boyega has left the building yeah they the music cue here when ray takes the uh it's the it's the homestead burning yep. it's the burning homestead music it sure is um deliberate choice obviously i would have assumed do you think it's do you think it's her i mean because that's the moment in in star wars when luke embraces his destiny mm-hmm. do you think that this is her now kind of embracing her destiny is that why they use the same cue it has to be she's run away from <laughs> it for the, all this time she's continued to run away from it i think it's a great point and and again like you watch her she's just you know she's doing the, she's a stabber too she is a stab. You watch her. She stab, <laughs> well, stab, stab. Yeah, and but she's also way on defense mode too. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, like you know, he's Kylo is stronger. He's more powerful, and she hasn't fully tapped into the Force or her abilities yet to be able to to combine all that she's ever known and and done. The Scarso for X Wing mm-hmm. that begins to play here is one of my favorite pieces of music on this new score. Um. It, it's such a great use of the main theme and, and mixed with some of the old rebel theme, um, you know, the, the, the trench run stuff, but, but primarily that main theme, the way it just keeps kind of rising and falling and rising and falling. And, mm. uh, and, and this whole sequence is, you know, 
we don't spend a lot of time in the trench. We don't, you know, it's not the trench run of the Death Star. You know, he's just trying to get to that opening so he can get in there and, and do some damage from the inside. And um, and he gets his cover and he gets, oh, I just, I really learned to love this sequence a lot in the past few viewings of this movie. Still hadn't learned to love that GoPro shot. No, really? I, I had to dig the GoPro shot. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's dynamic. It really, it really, it moves. And it captures what we, you know, we'd love to be doing this too. Mm -hmm. Boy, we'd love to be in the middle of that. That's why we played it so yeah. much. Uh, and those GoPro shots just to me evoke exactly that, that boy, wouldn't you, this is what it'd be like to be right in the middle of this. You know, I just talked about how, you know, it's not all the flippy floppy plan. I always forget how fast these moments in this particular part of the battle are. Yeah. That, that moving through that little canyon there in Puzzlewood, it was <laughs> just really, you know, it was, a, there, there was some fast fighting going on just then, you know, mm -hmm. and of course, yeah, you're right. Ray is so stabby. Yes. Watch her. She'll stab at him. Stab block she'll stab at him again in a sec i, I like she that she's that using time. she's using the two hands yeah um you know lucas was at least in the original trilogy or especially in that first movie a stickler for the two-handed use of the lightsaber yeah although vader got away with an empire oh man did he ever i love that mess in empire dude <laughs> gosh uh, he says you need a teacher When he says the force, it just comes back to her. And, I, and that's, and, and Maz told her, you know, close your eyes and feel yeah. the light. And that's what she chooses to do in this moment. Now he says, you need a teacher, you need someone to train you in the ways of the force. Do you think he is, he is setting up like Vader was yes. to, to basically undo Snoke? Maybe. I see. That's the thing. We don't know his and Snoke's relationship enough. No. yet. I think that'll happen in episode eight. The revenge, uh, the, the first order strikes back. <laughs> but uh but i i do think it, uh, i don't know like part of me says yes i i my first reaction is yes he's trying to do that but then snoke said bring her stab. to me she did get a good stab in there yes yeah, the she did yeah is his arm usable at that point does he use his i don't know he's down but he gets back up watch him and see if he uses that arm again at this point he doesn't seem to be. No, actually, he's well. Oh, okay, he's, he just grabbed her wrist with yeah. it. Okay, yeah. And it burns some this snow. This is a cool moment. I don't, I don't get. What, I don't understand it. But yeah, I don't know what she's trying to do. <laughs> no, because if she lets go, he just comes up. But she does that great thing. If she, she didn't cut. I wish she would just cut his hand off. I wish they would have done a hand cut off <laughs> thing there. Not because I'm, you know, all about the violence, but because but, this is the one movie where we don't get a. But what they did do is they put a giant scar on Kylo's face. Right. You know, there's a lot of talk. He's not. He's wearing a mask. He has no reason to wear a mask. Well, now he's got a reason now to wear a mask. Reason. Because uh, she don't just even sliced think this, his face. Yeah, I don't even know that the scars are reason, but I think that it's a it's a standard dark side thing that when you mess with the dark side, it's going to cause you some harm and mutilation. Oh yeah, yeah, and he got it right there, right yeah. across the face. Well, we it, see it with Vader. We see it with the Emperor. Took me probably four viewings to notice the scar, maybe three viewings really? to notice the scar. Yeah, I called it that first time. I did not I'm see it. I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty. It's right there, Scott. It's in, <laughs> it's it's pretty big. You gotta remember, I was sitting in the bottom corner oh, of the that's IMAX right. theater. That's right. Now here's Hux getting in one last chat with Snow. Now could he not have a chat with Snoke anywhere else? The, yeah, exactly. Where <laughs> did you not have transmission <laughs> capabilities on any of your ships on the shuttle somewhere? And 
And where is Snoke? Well, we'll find out, hopefully, in the uh, Snoke Strikes Back. I hope he's in during Coruscant. I hope they go to Coruscant and just shove it in everybody's face. <laughs> we shall see. And here, lights come up. Shot from the trailer. We didn't know who it was. We do now. It's Finn. And Chewie's in the Millennium Falcon. This is Scott Rifen uh, doing the play-by-play on right. Force Awakens. That's right. <laughs> Love that moment. Do you think, uh, because when they get back, Chewie's just going to completely skip past Leia and be like, I don't care about Han dying. I'm going to stay with Finn. Do you think that there was a bond formed with Chewie and Finn over Finn patching up his wounds or something? I mean, um, it may- I think... I think he was concerned about Finn, obviously, but I think also, I think he knew, I think he got the sense that this was Leia and Ray's time to be together Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. In case there's any doubt that Han Solo's dead, we have stuck him in the middle of a star. <laughs> we thought it would be funny to stick that's Han a, Solo in the middle of a star. That's a good shot there. That's uh, a, them coming out of the light of that, you know. That's Im- a departing the Death Star shot yep. is what that is. Yep. And then just to tweak Steve, we're going to watch every X-Wing individually come back through a hyperspace tunnel. Mm. If they did, <laughs> I would have been ticked. But see, Chewie's right there, and he is, he is, we got Finn, we got Finn, and I'm going after Finn. That's it. March after Finn. Right. And so when they cut to the reverse angle, yeah, he's he's not really hustling like he was before. Nope. I think Mm-mm. that's probably something they should have That's some corrected. editing choices, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Leia's outfit, by the way, in this film is very evocative of her Return of the Jedi outfit. You think so? I do. I think it's more evocative of her Hoth outfit. Really? Well, no. I guess the sleeves rolled up. I guess the vest is why I was saying that. You're right. It is very evocative. I think the vest is just kind of cover up what couldn't be lost through Jenny Craig. Her Return of the Jedi out- outfit uh, before the Ewok village. Before the, yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Before her Ewok village dress. Oh, and I guess she did get back in it to fight, didn't she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that a Chewy impression? Yeah. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Sad Chewy. Now R2 see, comes now, online. See, he's slowly, slowly. It took him a long time to get powered up. There was no and real impetus It's for only it. been a couple of hours. <laughs> it's only been a couple of hours? Yeah, because you look, they turned on the thing, getting yeah. ready to shoot at him, and yeah. you said everything was in real time, you know, from, so, yeah. you know. It's only been 30 minutes. And yeah. the 3PO pops him one. I love it. It's classic. I mean, it's like, come on, guys. It's classic. R2 probably talked smack about his red arm. You know, he probably did. He probably, and 3PO's like, you know, I offered you some circuits or gears, yes. but yet. <laughs> Look who I found. And then there's I, the neck th- things are three, just sticking straight they, out. That is, yeah, they're weird. I noticed that was I mean, they, one they thing. They were there before, but they don't look yeah. like that. Um, there's a There's a moment where he says, you know, my dear friend, I've missed you, uh, to R2. Dean, Alan Dean Foster in his novel does take moments with the droids, BB-8 included. You know, there's a moment where he says if BB-8 could have, uh, you know, disobeyed the order to run away from Poe, he would have, yeah. you know, and stayed yeah. with Poe. And and 3PO says, if I were programmed to feel this way, I would, you know. But, um, of course, we never really mess with that too much in the in the movies. But uh, when he says, my dear friend, I mean, that just classic R2, 3PO. And I hope that we get a little bit more uh r2 and 3po in in episode eight absolutely attack of the snoke (laughs) (laughs) 
I now, do I do like her outfit. Oh, it, but again, very Japanese, mm-hmm. very samurai. Yeah. And then she kisses him on the forehead because they're space married. Because they're yeah, and but he never wakes up. I mean, we don't know we don't know what his condition is. We don't know what really what's wrong with him. Whether he took a slash well, to the back. I like to imagine that they got a that they they got through with a battle, and someone came over the intercom and said, "Finn is okay." Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, she's watching the meteor show and she's like, thanks, big brother. Uh, <laughs> baboon ass. Yep. Um, yeah, she's 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 all Toshiro mifune up now. We've got to wait until, I'm sorry, what were those weird words you used? <laughs> sorry. The Japanese actor, the uh, Kurosawa actor. What about Chewie letting her be the pilot? Yeah. Well, he's used to sitting in the yeah. other seat. It's adjusted. It's already slid back for him. Don't forget, she. You know, we we kind of gloss over the fact she understands Wookie. She understands everybody. That Ray. All right, now she, as they head out, hang on, three PO, gold, gold arm. arm. Yep, that's right. Yep. I know. I didn't notice that now until about my third or fourth viewing. But yep, gold arm back. Now Good you say that's where the movie should have ended. Yes. So you're done now. Yep. All I'm, right, everyone. All right, thanks for joining. Good night. Us. <laughs> I I say that after all of the hype and after everything and. You know, having them back, they could. I don't know that they could have not had this last sequence, this epilogue, if you will. Well, there's a reason why they didn't put him in the promotional materials because there's only one look he had. That's right. You could not, to show him in the promotional materials at all, would have shown his entire scene yep. in the movie. Him being Luke Skywalker. Yes. And boy, they kick up some water there with was, these things. There was no battle that took place in space in this movie. No. That's interesting. Now she's walking up the Jedi steps. Um, thank you, Scott. You're welcome. And <laughs> finale. Her, I want you and finale. <laughs> Look how low her blaster slung down on her side. Very solo. Han Solo, ladies yep. and gentlemen. Um Snap to her thigh like him. Yep. That's that's one of the things I noticed. Um I still say that that staff is made with old lightsaber parts. It looks like Darth Maul's, yeah. I'm telling you, it has to be. No, maybe she'll make her, when she makes her lightsaber, maybe she'll make it out of that staff. This is another scene. You know, I mentioned earlier I couldn't run like they did on Jakku. This is another scene in this movie I could not have filmed. <laughs> Just walking and steps. walking. Look how high she is up there. Look yeah. where the Falcon was, for crying out loud. Yeah. It's ridiculous. She's on ledges and stuff. Mm-mm. That's where I can't do it. I don't do heights. I'm not scared of heights. I just don't like to get there. <laughs> so you're scared of the journey towards heights. It's, well, it's just the, it's, <laughs> I don't enjoy the huffing and the puffing. I understand that. Someone said they saw a, a grave here that he was standing at that they thought he was standing with. I don't think it's meant to be a grave. I think it's that, just stones. Yeah, I think it's Yeah, that's just, it to the left, yeah, I bet. It's just a stone there. A stone. I think it's meant to um, uh, be ruins and everything, of course, at the old Jedi Temple. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> this look he's got, man, is just, it's, uh, there's there's so much going on in the look that Luke Skywalker gives as he takes down his, I, uh, why is, why is his hand not, not flesh? Yeah. I don't know. And don't anyone write in and say because it got cut off, doofus. Because it was fleshed when they first replaced it. He knows Han's dead. He has to know. Yeah. 
She's desperate. I mean, look at that. Yeah. She is, please come save the galaxy. Is she saying, please come save the galaxy or please save me? I think it's a little of both. Okay. And he's going, look, I don't want any part of this. You're my daughter. <laughs> I left you on Jakku with that weird blobfish guy. I, I and then the shot that. that should not be the final shot because it's moving. Well, but I guess they moving. couldn't have. I guess they couldn't have. Uh, what? Empire's last shot's moving. No, it's not. Oh yeah, it it's is. Static on Leia and. Uh oh. Uh oh. No. The fleet's moving into the hyperspace. The camera's not moving. The fleet is moving. The the camera tilts to, or pans no. to the side as the. Oh yeah. No, the the <laughs> ship goes. The ship goes, but the then camera the, stays right there. The camera watches. Don't the you dare go. take up for this helicopter <laughs> shot, Scott Rifen. I'm not going to no, take up for the Johnny Larue helicopter shot. No, the last. We'll, we'll watch hold it. on. We'll watch it. I'm a, no, Don't I'm pulling. Pull I am. I'm pulling it up right now uh, as we talk. We uh, can do this because we don't. We it's the credits. Because the movie's over. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's the credits. There's the credits. Um, so so we're making you sit through the credits now. Or you can go to, to the sit, bathroom. If you take us to the bathroom, sit, let us know. That I always you're sit through the, the credits. I don't. I always sit through the credits, at least on the first viewing. Yeah. Um. Sometimes more. Um. I mean, look, I've come to really like, and and I'll even say love this movie. Uh, mm -hmm. It it's it's, I, I'm not putting it up there. I have a friend who puts it right up there with Empire. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing. I that. I can't go there, but I can say that you know it's definitely up there for me. That um, that I think that well, to, what I'll say about it is it belongs in the Star Wars saga, mm -hmm. and I think that's the highest compliment you can pay. Yeah. To the film, as it belongs in that saga. It's not a reboot. No. You know, it's not a, um, it, it's, it's definitely not that. It's, it's definitely a sequel. And I think it works as a sequel. And unfortunately, because it's a sequel, because it's a continuation of the story, you do run into things of like, did you want our characters just to be holding hands and happy for 30 years? I mean, there has to be a story yeah. to them. And, uh, you know, you hate to see Han die. You hate to see that he and Leia haven't had the best of times, you know, but what you hope is that there is a payoff, that there is yeah. a happy ending payoff to all of this, that there is some way that that there's joy to come out of all the sorrow of this movie. Yeah. Was this movie too dark for the first part of another three-act structure? I think towards the end it got a little darker than I thought maybe. It was interesting because it got dark and it never really let up. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought, uh, my initial viewing of it, the first thing I think I said was it 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 went dark and never went back. Right, and, that's true. Uh, and you're, uh, I mean, you're spot on, except for the the C three P O R two stuff. Yeah, know? and uh, that that rattled me a little bit the first time I saw it. But obviously, there is unlike with the very first film, there is a grand plan in place for three full films, mm -hmm. and so we probably should just sit back and and. Uh, figure out there was probably a reason for that yeah well and, and two is if if this is the first movie you've mm. come to as a star wars viewer is the death of han solo any more impactful or dark or uh is it any, i should say is it any less impactful or dark or depressing than the obi-wan death in in star wars i think it's more even if you're a first time viewer oh, never, first time yeah 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 uh, I mean, obviously, no. It's it's. I guess it's probably about the same because yeah. he's the same. He's that. He's the mentor figure who gets killed. You know, but I mean, obviously, for us who've had Han Solo in our lives for thirty uh, thirty nine years at this yeah. point, you know, yeah, it, it's going to kill us. But 
you you know now you take the prequel generation i i mean i remember watching star wars with somebody who never watched star wars and we watched through the first three and we got mm-hmm. to four when obi-wan dies it was a real blow to them you know mm-hmm. they'd really developed an affection for this character you know in the way that we had for for han solo and so um I just wonder, you know, if there is an argument to be made that, well, you know what, if you're the fir- if this is the first Star Wars movie you've ever watched, yeah, it's surprising, yeah, it's sad, but it's not as overwhelmingly depressive as. <laughs> that's a point to be made. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's that's valid. That's so, valid. Um, well, man, I, I appreciate you having this idea. I think it's been fun. No, it's been a blast. A I, time. It's funny because it's wrapping up, and I. I kind of want to start it again and do a, do another commentary on it. All right. Well, <laughs> spin it around, and uh, we'll diss. Uh, are we having dinner with anyone? Yes. Okay. Then we'll diss them. No. We'll watch Star Wars. Uh, turn the sound up this time. Everyone, crank, get your second ticket. Um, yeah, we'll we'll save it, but you never know. The uh, Guys, the email is, for me, is geekoutonline at gmail.com. Scott, where can people get you at My Star Wars Story? Uh, story at mystarwarsstory.com or geeks at dinnerforgeeks.com. If you want to tell your Star Wars story, get in touch with Scott. It's not just about, uh, I mean, most of it is fandom. It's not really about people who work in the industry. It's all about the fans that are out there telling yeah, their stories. So. Definitely. And uh, it's one of the best Star Wars podcasts out there because it really is oh. for the fans by the fans. I love it. I love listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I especially like episode three <laughs> of the show. Re- go back and check out episode yeah, three, everyone. That's, that's a good one. So uh, I guess we'll do it this way. Until next time, I'm Steve. I'm Scott. Yeah, we'll see you next time on Dinner for Geeks, My Star Wars Story, and Geek Out Loud. <laughs>